welcome to the Dojo Talk Podcast. Please remove them shoes before entry. Say Master is here and you still have not taken off your shoes. To define man's mission yeah. Look into the sky for divine transmission yeah. Deaf man's vision makes the blind man listen yeah. Eyes on the prize, this is blind ambition Thank you Welcome to another edition of the Dojo Talk Podcast I'm your host, Serial Sensei We are on episode number 150 Boy, I didn't yeah. think we would talk about fisticuffs for this long <laughs> I think the wildest part of that is we've only been doing this for, like, what, three? Like, not even three years yet. Right. I think we're coming up on two. And doesn't the UFC have a card every week for, like, the next, <laughs> like, ten, ten weeks? Something like that? Uh, sound crazy. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, they have off October 12th. Vacation. Ah, oh, okay. There we go. They're off for Yom Kippur. Let's All go. Right. <laughs> there we go. But... Wait, 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 wait. I think my calendar just hasn't caught up. I might be wrong. Oh, no. I think it's for a while. If if Dana makes me skip Yon Kapoor, I'm going to be very upset. Nope, they have a card on the 12th. And the 18th. And the 26th. Yeah. And the 2nd. Yep. And the 9th. Yep. (laughs) And the 16th again. We're here to the end of the year. (laughs) Oh, wait, no. They're they're off for uh, Thanksgiving in November. So, like, there's, like, Two weeks without a card, and then we get UFC Overeem versus Harris on the seventh of right. December. So, so, so we're we're here basically until I'm done with school. So great, awesome. There, there we go. <laughs> so, episode one fifty. As always, you can give the podcast a listen. Uh, SoundCloud, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube. Oh, I said that already. <laughs> Send questions to Dojo Talk Podcast at yahoo.com. Uh, hit us up on social media at the Dojo Talk Podcast Facebook page, as well as the Instagram page. And you can follow me on Twitter and Twitch at Serial Sensei. And as you guys know, I'm joined with my co-host, Antaku. What's going on, man? Um, so somebody tweeted about the, uh, the, the Trenton Makes the World Takes Bridge here in Jersey yesterday. And I had to point out that, one... New Jersey energy is basically that of a very indignant parent that's constantly reminding you that they gave birth to you and that you owe them. <laughs> They're starting the trends, but they don't get the love. Exactly. And two, uh... the, the, technically the bridge is like half in PA because that's a bridge between, you know, Jersey and Pennsylvania. So like the Trenton makes part is technically in Pennsylvania, if I'm remembering right. But it has me thinking, wow, Jersey's a bitch-ass state. <laughs> because we just give away, like, all our important shit. Like, the Statue of Liberty. Technically in Jersey waters. Technically closer to the state of New Jersey. For whatever fucking reason, we give the rights to it to New York without contention. I know, you guys might have to start a little, uh, little civil war over there. But, like, the, the, the freaking Meadowlands, all the teams that ever played there, the New Jersey Nets, the New Jersey Devils, the, the freaking, the, 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 
God, what were they? Were they the soccer team? I don't remember what the other team was. But for whatever reason, we defer to New York City when we give them not one, but both of our football teams. Because the New like, for those who don't know, and, like, the, the, the Giants and the Jets, they don't play in New York. Yeah. They, they play, play in Jersey. East, they play in East Rutherford. <laughs> I imagine access is probably a lot easier. Uh oh, are you kidding me? If, yeah. Like, the cost of building a football stadium and then a parking lot to sustain that football stadium in New York would be astronomical to the point you probably never make your money back. Right. But at the same time, they are technically Jersey teams. I don't know. I might have to start charging them like a tax. Hell, the New York Red Bulls don't even play in New York. They play in Newark. Hmm. I don't know. I think then they might have to have a Jersey uh, New York meeting. and uh... I feel like we're... We're... Why are we giving things away? Can y'all we have are, nothing nice? Y'all are y'all are loving and kind people. That's a lot. <laughs> you give to thy neighbor. Uh, sometimes you got to be stingy though. You know, if they're not being grateful, you gotta you gotta take all the groceries back that you loan them. Oh man. Uh, this is a very niche. A bit of anger, but it's a bit, it's anger I feel in my soul. Yeah, yeah, that's valid. That's valid. Well, New Jersey and New Yorkers, y'all y'all hash that out. Um, hash it out before the holiday season, though. It's a season of giving. Well, it will be. You got to figure that out before we start handing out gifts. Or maybe you guys could go on like a gift. Um, uh, what's the word? Like strike. Yes. You, you don't give anything to New Yorkers. I'm sorry, I'm inciting uh, violence in areas I don't even live in, but <laughs> y'all figure it out. <laughs> this is Jersey. We don't need we we don't need uh, uh, outsiders to stoke our violence. We we do that ourselves. <laughs> We're out here pulling machetes in like street fights. Like it, it gets crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of Jersey, we got some listeners out there. Shoutouts to uh, the listeners, wherever you are in the world, share, repost, tag a friend, all that good stuff. Number one, uh, top cities for the week, as far as listeners. Uh, number one, I'm going to need you to help me pronounce this because it's in your state, and I'm sure I'm going to say this wrong. Um, Secaucus, New Jersey? Secaucus, yeah. Secaucus, there you go. They're number one. Uh, number two... London, out in the UK. Shout out to you guys. Number three, also out in the UK, uh, Bromley. If I'm saying that right, Bromley, uh, United Kingdom. Hey, you guys. Number four, no surprise, you guys popped up on the list after last week. Moscow, I see you. That trying, explains it. Yeah, trying trying to keep up with your Habib news. <laughs> we we'll see y'all out here. And number five, uh, Frankfurt on on Main. I'm mine, Germany. Probably said that wrong. I'm sorry. Um, there were a lot of overseas listeners. Istanbul, Turkey popped up. Amsterdam, yeah. Netherlands popped up. Khabib is an international star. Yep. Canada's he's down here, here. He's out here drawing 25 million people on television in Russia. There you go. So. That's 
So shout out to everybody who listened to uh, the Habib Poirier podcast. The the numbers were like normal that first couple days, and I just kind of stopped looking at them. And then I came back literally right before we started recording. And I was like, oh, a lot of people somehow between the last time I looked at it and today, a lot of people <laughs> went to go listen to that podcast. So um, appreciate you guys. And of those uh, listeners, I'm assuming some of you guys are new. I hope you came back this week, and I hope you stick around. Don't uh don't don't come here and then like put your feet on the table and then leave. Like stay around for like a couple weeks. Uh, don't don't leave quite yet. We'll be talking about Habib again anyway, so you might as well just stay here. You know he'll he'll be back. But appreciate you guys for listening. Keep sharing, reposting, tag a friend, share with uh your grandma when you're at the uh the DMV. Uh, share with the people in line. They're they're miserable anyway. They need something to do with their time while they're waiting for number five forty three to be called. So, you know, just plug it into their ear. They'll be be grateful. Hopefully they'll be grateful. But as for today's uh, episode, I think it's going to be a good one. There was a lot of good good happenings this uh, this past weekend. Uh, Of course, we got Cowboy versus Cerrone, which that card was... was (laughs) We'll get to it. That card was wild, man. That That was a fun time. Um, but we also had a lot of boxing going on. We had Tyson Fury out here, uh, Amanda Serrano out here. There was there was a lot a lot of fisticuffs being thrown. So we will get to all that. But first, of course, we have to start with news and notes and all of that goodness for the week. So I will run down my fight announcements and the one news story that I have that. Uh, maybe like a niche section of the MMA community cares about, but I'm going to bring it up because it's a big deal to me, um, and then we'll get on to these fights. So, fight announcements, running from the top. UFC Sao Paulo, and a fight that I don't think any of us saw coming. Um, Jacare Souza is moving up to 205 to fight Jan Blahowicz. Um Okay. Yeah. <laughs> What's with them giving Jan Blachowicz to do to move up from 185? Because, like, they did Luke Rockhold. They gave him, um... Was he, uh... Devin Clark's first when he moved up to one... Uh, from 205 to 205? Mm, that sounds like a fight that happened. Yeah, it did. Because, like, he, he, like, bulldog choked Devin Clark's <laughs> long defense. <laughs> or, like, wow. Can't believe that really happened. Why y'all keep Why y'all keeping Jan away from Jones? Diego Santos. Yep. Yep. Uh. Well, again, well to, it, to, to, to his credit, credit, it was the other way around. I would say to his credit, though, the Lee Santos had been at two hundred five for a little bit. I know, but at the same time, like he had fought Eric Anders, who was a one eighty five er. Oh yeah. Yep. Oh well, I guess Jimmy Emanua. So I, I guess that's. I, I guess you're right. He he, he had fought a prior two hundred five er. But our point's still kind of valid. I, I didn't realize that. He has fought a lot of a lot of guys who've been shifting weight classes. They just end up in Jan's crosshair for some reason. Like, he's uh, like the, he's like could... the, the test. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess. Like, hmm, it's crazy to think like two years ago, Patrick Cummins beat him. Quote, unquote, beat him. <laughs> I don't even know how I feel about that fight. Like, I, I, I don't. I Honestly like Sosa's chances better than Luke Rockhold's. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. At the same time, like, I'm expecting Jacare's chin to go any second. So. And this, yeah, this could be the the one that uh that might put him out. But right. we'll see. I, I think it'll be a fun fight. It was just a really random, just kind of, huh? Like, <laughs> not. Like, hey, you're going from fighting John Jones to fighting the guy who just lost to Jack Hermanson. Right. On, like, a week's notice. I mean, if nothing else, it's a good uh, good name to have on your resume, though. So, mm, like, true, you know, true. Former Strikeforce middleweight champ. Yeah, good name to have on a resume. So, we'll, we'll see how that fight turns out. It's, it's a really kind of odd, random fight. But that'll be a thing at UFC Sao Paulo. Um, at UFC 244, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson versus Vicente Luque. And then we'll also have Andre Arlovsky versus Jarzinho Rosenstruck. Um... I'm happy for this Luke Thompson fight. I'm glad Luke like is fighting somebody with with a you know a name, like a big name. Um, albeit Wonder Boy hasn't, you know, he's been Wonder Boy. He, he's been he's had some highs, he's had some lows. Right. He's had some other lows, but he's still a name that people recognize. So I'm happy that Luke at least. Finally, got a fight like some like a marquee kind of fight. Like, all right, this this fight will this will mean something. This could be big for him. Yeah, um, I I I don't know if I th- I see that fight going all that well for him, but I'm happy he got it. You know, get the opportunity. It's not like it. I, I think the veneer has been pulled back a little bit on Wonder Boy, where like we all thought he was like this amazing, um, like defensively. Like, just really hard to hit, dude. And it's really just been proven, like, time and time again, if you are willing to just, you know, sit down in the pocket with him. Or or just force him to sit down in the pocket with you or chase you or whatever. You could probably tag him pretty hard. Because, like, Till did it. Woodley did it. Pettis did it. Um, yeah, what did Pettis do it? <laughs> Matt Brown did it back in the day. Like, it's I'm not saying it's easy, but, like, it's possible. Right. It can be done. But I can also see a fight in where Wonder Boy is, like, just dancing on the outside, and Luke's just, like, running into um, right-hand counters over and over again. So, uh, it's going to be a good, I hope it's a good fight. Luke's yeah, on it. So Yeah, I think it'll be a good fight. How you feel about uh, Arlaske and Rosenstruck? Um, it's interesting, because we... We both really liked how Arlovsky looked in the Rockwell fight, in the rematch. Um, but, uh, like, at the same time, Ben Rockwell looked like shit. Like, he looked like crap against um, Blagoy Ivanov when, in his return fight. Like, he, 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 does, he doesn't have that same... He's not able to push that same pace he used to be able to push. And that's really the thing that was getting him wins. Um, against guys like Overeem and, uh, what's his face, um, uh, b- before he got suspended. Right. Um, but, like, we both like what Arlovsky was doing. Like, there was more, vo- there was less emphasis on, um, uh, on big punches and more on just stringing, like, four or five punch combinations together, pivoting, um, you know, just not staying in the same spot after throwing punches and, you know, really basic stuff like that. There was a there was more of an emphasis in his game plan, and 
He went out there and landed like something like a hundred punches in like fifteen minutes, like yeah, power yeah, he was punches. Busy. <laughs> yeah. Mind you, again, that's Ben Rockwell, who is who has always been a bit of a sponge, and um, doesn't really move as well as he used to anymore. Um, so I'm I'm curious how this works against a dude like Rosenstruck, who not the most polished dude, but like he's got some offensive weapons and he's got power in both hands. And I guess you know he could throw that head kick. Um, so I'm I'm curious if the style holds up against somebody who could just bomb on you at any minute. All right. But then again, Arlovski's chin hasn't been cracked in the in a hot second, hasn't it? Like it's not like he's been out. Like even the fights he's been losing, it's not like he's been out here getting, um, you know, bombed on. It's just like he's losing like really close kickboxing matches. All right. And. Maybe this might be just me trying to make myself feel better about this fight and more comfortable picking Arlovsky. Like, Rosenstruck has been out there killing dudes, but, what, his two UFC wins are Albini and Crowder? Right, and like, I'm, if I'm remembering right, like, the first round of that Albini fight was pretty damn terrible. Yeah, yeah, he didn't, yeah, he didn't come on to like, the very end when he got the finish. So... That's this is a big that's a big step up in in competition and Arblaski for his age haven't really he's not look at somebody I look at and really say like oh he's washed like right dude Which is, is crazy still... considering like where he was uh, when he ended up in like I don't know war, uh, war series of fighting or yeah. world uh, war series of fighting yeah yeah he he's he's in pretty good form out there so. We'll, we'll see. That that should be a, a interesting. I seriously think Arlovsky is technically on the feet better than he's ever been. It, it's just that you know, the the dude made his money uh, being really hard hitting and really explosive. But that that can go when you're forty years old. All right. We'll see though. Oh. We'll see. I like I like that. Uh, it's a nice little heavyweight, little heavyweight scrap. So that'll be at UFC two forty four. Um, at UFC Copenhagen, um, we were going to get Gunnar Nelson versus Thiago Alves. Thiago Alves had to pull out of the fight. Insert new challenger, Gilbert Burns versus Gunnar Nelson. And I'm all for this. <laughs> yeah, it's a really um, good fight. Yeah, this is, this is a really good, this is a good matchup. Um, obviously, Gunnar's really great on the ground. Burns is also really great on the ground. But Burns' striking has come. A really long way. I don't see how this fight can't be fun. I don't yeah. think I've really ever seen Burns in like a, a fight that wasn't enjoyable to watch. At mm-hmm. least in like the last, say like his last like three to four. Like he's been on like a pretty consistent streak, win or lose, of just putting on really entertaining fights. Yeah, um, I'm right there with. I, 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 honestly, I like this fight better than I like the um, the Alvis fight. Um. Just because I, I I like the trajectory of Gilbert Burns, um, right now, um, I I I'm like Gunnar Nelson, like he started the fill out, but he's never been like the biggest one seventy pounder. Like he's always been kind of like on the smaller side, right. or or not if not smaller leaner. Um, so like I'm not seeing size being an issue here. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see if Burns' style of, like, striking, which is still very based on, like, explosiveness and, um, 
you know, being able to catch dudes by surprise will work on like Gunnar Nelson, whose game is kind of built around the same principles, if not a little bit sharper because of his karate background. So, um, and you know, if this fight goes to the ground, like, you know, we got a former, uh, what is, uh, what's his face? What What is Nelson? He's like an Abu Dhabi runner up or something like that. Yeah. So something crazy like that. And yeah, uh, I guess another Abu Dhabi runner-up and like former world champion jiu-jitsu player. So, you know, I'm I'm with it. Like, well, almost... I think we forget how good Burns' ground game is because lately he's just been out here throwing hands. Like, right. <laughs> but no, nah, it's there. It's definitely there. Um, yeah, that's that's gonna be an awesome fight. That's a really awesome fight. So, that'll be at UFC Copenhagen. Um, at UFC Singapore, we got Ashley Yoder versus Yao Yao Yan. And at UFC Boston, we'll have Manny Bermudez versus Charles Rosa. Um, uh, a fight that we won't get, which kind of sucks. And as of now, I don't think there's been a replacement, hopefully. I'm pretty sure there will be one. But uh, to beat Magomed Sharapov, had to pull out of his fight against Calvin Cater at UFC Boston. So that kind of sucks. Hopefully there's a replacement. I'm pretty sure there will be. There are too many good fighters at Featherweight for there not to be somebody to be able to step in and fill the spot. My guess will be Josh Emmett. I ain't mad at it. <laughs> get, get anybody in there. I, I just want to see a cater fight. But it kind of sucks. I was really looking forward to this fight. But, you know, it's MMA happens. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how that, how that pans out. Uh, moving on to Bellator at Bellator 229, we have Vladimir Tokov versus Brandon Hastings. At Bellator 232, we'll have Paul Daly versus Sabah Hamasi. I remember Hamasi's name. Who did he like knock out? I know he knocked somebody out. I don't remember the name of the dude he knocked out in his last Bellator card, but he was the guy from that weird season of Tough that was Black Zillions versus uh, American Top Team. And okay. he fought. Um, did he lose to Kamaru Usman? Um, he fought Carrington Banks on the show. That's who it was. But you probably remember him from his two fights with uh, Abul Razak Al-Hassan, where he got okay. knocked out in both. Oh, okay, yeah. I was say, I know I remember this guy. Okay, Michael Terrell was who he uh, killed, killed in Bellator. Yeah, that was like, not even that, like a, a couple weeks ago, I guess. Yeah, I was in a, yeah in August. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I know I remember this guy's name. Yeah, he fought Abdul uh, Razak uh, Al Hassan twice, and he lost ten means. Did anything ever come of Abdul's like legal situation? I don't know, but I feel like we haven't. Um, because it's been like time. a year. Yeah, about to say his last fight was in let's see September, two thousand eighteen. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I haven't been quiet. But- <laughs> that, that, that yeah, the, the came the story came out September twenty sixth, two thousand eighteen. I found a follow up in the was it the Star Telegram in Fort Worth. Judge drops GPS requirement for MMA fighter accused of rape, but issues a warning. What? Yeah, so I guess he was on house arrest. Hmm. Well, as of November two thousand eighteen, he no longer has to wear the monitor. Yeah. That's the last thing I see from him. Like he fights out of um, a gym. I guess we'll be talking about later because they have, they had like a bunch of fighters on this card in Fortis MMA. So, yeah, it's so weird. Like 
I, I honestly got no idea what happened to the dude. Yeah, it's been quiet. And the thing is, he, he had a nice little, he had a nice little streak going. Oh, yeah, like. I don't know. Well, we'll have to keep, uh, yeah, I haven't heard his name in a while. We'll have to keep, uh, keep an eye on him. If, if anything pops up. But, uh, yeah, the Daily and Hamasi fight, that should be fun. That's at, uh, Bellator 232. And at Bellator 228, we'll have Leandro Higo versus Sean Bunch. And at Invicta FC 37, uh, Jin Frey will be defending her Atomweight. No, Strawweight. No, no, no. Atomweight. Atomweight. I forgot. Atomweight title against Ashley Cummings. Um, that's all I got for fight announcements. So I have one piece of news, and then you have a mystery piece of news because I'm clueless. So. <laughs> uh, I, mean, uh, I, I want to give it away again, so uh, yeah, I'm, no, not, I'm not even going to make my joke. So yeah, you, you go. <laughs> I'll I mean, start with mine. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'll start with mine and we'll, we'll move on to yours. But uh, my, my bit of news, and I don't know if anybody really Oh, cares. shit, wait, 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 I forgot. We we do have one more fight announcement that got made official. Oh, did I miss something? November 2nd, on the zone, you will get Camilo <laughs> Alvarez oh. versus Sergey Kovalev. You, you thought I was going to say Logan Paul versus Yeah, that. I did. We talked about that last week. <laughs> I did. <laughs> but we talked about that last week, Sensei. Oh, man. All right, we'll, 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 talk about it. we'll talk about it again. <laughs> that's, that's, I'm sorry, y'all. That's going to be a thing. Oh, um, hell yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a thing. And that's going to require about. a 45-minute breakdown, uh, you know, some in-depth technique analysis. Yeah, yeah. We're going to be quoting the corners because I'm pretty sure one of them is training with, like, Floyd Mayweather for the fight. <laughs> hey man, I'm. On. <laughs> I think the only reason why I'm interested in that fight is because I don't follow either of them. So for me, like I don't have, I don't have any feelings toward either of them. I'm just kind of, I just the, the part of me that likes chaos. I just want to see a spectacle. See, all I know is Logan Paul is like a junk human being, and that the the KSI dude is like a rapper. Who also like makes FIFA videos, so I don't know. I, I'm I'm rooted for the rapper. <laughs> there we go. But uh, I, I guess the balance. We talk about uh, I want to just skip over it. How, how you feel about the Canelo and uh, Kovalev fight? Oh God. So um, I'm. Yeah, the, the the big thing here is that Canelo will be moving up 15 pounds to take on Kovalev. But honestly, at this point in his career, I'm, I, I'm expecting Canelo to be able to beat Kovalev. But it, it seems like a lot of the pop Kovalev had, uh, or at least you know the aura is gone. That allowed him to get off his like streamline offense. Um, I think Andre Ward took a lot of that out of him. The uh, the leader. Was Elidard, Elidard, Alvarez uh, knocked the shit out of him. He beat him in a rematch, but like you know, that takes something out of you. Um, it, it's pretty clear he doesn't like uh, body shots. Like Anthony Yarde was able to hit hit him with a couple that really hurt him. Um, re- like really hurt him. Like it looks like he might actually be out the fight. Um, for a quick second before he retook control. Um, and there, uh, Canelo is one of the better buddy body punches at boxing right now. Um, I mean, he's really defensively sound, really hard to hit. Um, 
So uh, unless Kovalev can lean on his size, um, I I don't see him winning the fight. And if it gets like physicality has always been an issue for Kovalev. Like he, he doesn't like to get like he he does not like the inside. He does not like to be pushed around. Um, I don't think. That's the exact type of fight that uh, Canelo likes to have. I don't know if like the size difference will like, you know, even that out, or if he'll lean one way or the other. But like, I I think Canelo takes it. But it's a really good fight, like super good. Like, uh, if they were both about the same size, I'd probably be saying you know Canelo by whatever. But like, Kovalev, this top heavyweight in the world right now um with uh with andre ward retired um canelo's top middleweight uh it's it's what you want in boxing it's a really good fight yeah when uh and obviously i'm uh not as knowledgeable on the boxing front but i think when i first saw the matchup i was like man i feel like this fight should have happened a couple years ago yeah like i I ain't gonna say they completely missed the boat because i don't think kovalev is like super washed or anything like that i just feel like if this would have happened two to three years ago this probably would end up it would have been a much better it would have been more intriguing had it happened then than now it, so, it, yeah like it would have been a more intriguing bout prior to oval of like i don't want to say holes but like his um you know the 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 little ch- uh chips in his armor or whatever Ch- I, I remember armor, so. watching him when he uh when he beat up my homie my all-time favorite <laughs> when he fought bernard hopkins i was like man this guy he's, he's a yeah dude's a killer he, he is he is an animal out there like hopkins survived for 12 rounds but it was like jesus christ like this guy's a, a murderer out there but um you know i uh, I, I guess in this fight, I'm going to pick technique over size. Not that Kovalev doesn't have technique, but, like, when I, when you when you see Alvarez, like, operate at his best, like, he's, uh, he's really good, man. He's really good. The only thing that scares me is I don't want to see a moment where, like, Alvarez, like, starts to give up rounds. Right. And because I, I think we've seen that from him before, and I don't think this is the kind of guy that you want to, you don't want to start giving up rounds. Yeah, like Kovalev's very much a momentum dude. Like if he can build a little bit of momentum, he will, he will take that as far as it will get him. Yeah, and when a guy who can hit that hard, that's that's the last thing you want to give him is momentum and some confidence at any point. But, albeit maybe two three years too late, I still like the fight, so I'll, I'll probably uh I'll, I'll definitely go check that out. That'll that'll probably be a good scratch. All right, so I, I just real did we talk about JDS Volkov last week? Um, we mentioned it, but we didn't go. We didn't like uh, okay. go into it. Well, no, I just wanted to make sure we said that it's happening because, um, because that's important. So, I I know I I we I hinted at the secret news that I'm hiding from Sensei, but there is a story I want to talk about from um this weekend that didn't result in a fight, but it's kind of hilarious. And uh, I don't know where else I could probably fit it in. But um, Ryan Garcia was supposed to fight in the Golden Boy card last night. Mm. Um, You know this one, then. I heard about it. Yeah. um, But it turns out on Friday, uh, 
where were they? Were they in L.A.? Or were they in Vegas? I think they were. You know, they were in Vegas. Doesn't matter. Turns out, his opponent, Avery Sparrow, um, was arrested, uh, like, five hours before weigh-ins. <laughs> um, apparently, uh, Sparrow had a warrant out for his arrest in Philadelphia, uh, stemming from a gun charge in April. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, Sparrow, um, you know, being who he is, did, did not decide to lay low, but decided to face off against Ryan Garcia in the undercard of what was a, of a card featuring, like, the lineal heavyweight champion of the world. And against, like, one of the most high-profile prospects in boxing right now in Ryan Garcia... So, I'm a little, um, yeah, I don't know how, that's what you make in a situation. Yeah, like, <laughs> I the, my first thought was, so does, does Garcia get paid? No. So, oh, oh that's the other my. thing. So, to, to, to back end the story, Ryan Garcia tells the Athletic, no one from Golden Boy contacted him yesterday after the back and forth on Twitter. And he was very surprised. My promoter acted in a very unprofessional manner, a pattern at this point. Says he's not sure if he'll be paid since he's not fighting. So, for those of you who don't know, Golden Boy has been kind of a uh, the Golden Boy, Oscar De La Hoya. He's kind of been battling his demons lately. And I, I, I don't know if the word's battling so much as indulging. Um, like, he's been missing very important meetings with Canelo. Um, as Ryan Garcia said, like he's not keeping in contact with his fighters. The word is he's out partying and like coked off of his mind and like his uh, not his uh, I, I guess his vice president has been the one really actually like behind everything going on at Golden Boy recently. So, um, you know, like Garcia said, there's a pattern emerging here, and it's not a good one. So, um, yeah, just uh, that just felt like really important to mention before we break into the last bit of news. Like, but how did you get halfway across the country with a gun warrant? <laughs> like, <laughs> but like you, like it all finished. Like, you can't. Uh, I've heard uh, like from people who've had warrants out from their arrest, and they're like, I, yeah, I didn't know until they came to get me, or like, you know, I forgot about it because it's been like months. Or stuff like, something like that. Like, just because there's a warrant out for you doesn't mean they're gonna take you in. This kind of sounds like they heard they they had a location on the dude, and like they're like, oh, okay, we can just come and pick him up and scoop him, and there'll be, um, yeah, we'll we'll know where he's at at all times or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. That is... I, a, a part of the story I left out is that like. Sparrow's team was out with him as they were like jogging because he got arrested while he was jogging. The cops came after him while he was jogging in the park and then they went to go hide in like a local target. And then when they came out, like the cops surrounded them and they had helicopters and shit also. Like, so. <laughs> you thought you, you hiding in the, the frozen veggies aisle was going to keep you from getting. Oh boy. Apparently his team was like, yo, he'll show up on Monday. He just needs to fight so he can get paid. But, I mean, 
combat sports, man. The gift, the gift that keeps on, keeps on keeping on. This is the funniest shit because this is like the second time. No, I can't even say like this is the second time it's happened, but it's the second time I can remember. Um, shout out to Montez twenty three on Twitter because he pointed out um a situation that happened before where a dude show, like tried to show up on fight week with an arrest warrant. Um, but the one I was thinking was Jeremy Stevens getting arrested the day of his fight <laughs> for nearly beating a man to death. Oh my god! Boy, oh boy! Oh um, oh my god! Ad uh, Abdul Kurchdick, um, who tried to fight Billy Joe Saunders but got arrested on Rico charges. I forgot all about that. Like. <laughs> <laughs> This this whole combat sports world is just it, it does not draw the smartest, most no. law abiding people. Not at all. <laughs> there are some people who are like really just good at fighting, but that's like all they're good at, and they don't know. <laughs> don't the have... the real world skills escape them. Yeah, yeah. But um, so you you ready for this uh surprise news that I've been hyping up, but it's just gonna let you down. In all, in, in multiple different ways, though. So, um, Floyd Mayweather announced on Instagram yesterday that he was going to be fighting uh, on New Year's Eve in Japan as part of TMT's expansion into Japan. Um, and I, before we started recording, I asked Sensei who he thought Floyd would be fighting. And I, I, I ran out of guesses. I, what if I was to tell you it was a rematch? Oh, no. We're not <laughs> doing this again. <laughs> oh, we're not doing this so, again. According to Floyd Mayweather, he is working on an exhibition fight as a six-round fight with one current welterweight champion of the world, Manny Pacquiao. Uh. Aren't you aren't you glad that I held that from you for so long? God, why are we doing this again? Hold up, I, I have so many questions. So, where where do I start with this? I don't want to spend too long, so we got a lot to get to. But I have questions. I, I don't know where. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. Like, so what? But wouldn't you figure? As much as none of us probably really care to see Manny and Floyd fight again in a real fight, don't you think that would probably make more money? Or I, why? Why are we doing? I don't know. I have nothing. I have nothing. My assumption is somebody. My assumption is Floyd doesn't want to like do a real camp for a fight, and he just wants to get paid to do like. Like, what would this be, like, 15 minutes of, like, light sparring? And that uh, he has somebody lined up who's willing to pay for that? And he just doesn't want to risk his record now that he's at the the magic 50-0 mark. And I think he, and, like, if he does that, I think, like I said, I think it's more to do with him trying to expand into um, to Japan than it does him wanting to, like, collect a big money check. Because... He seems to be th- like he. Se- he really seems to want to expand there. Like he, he had this whole big rollout for it and everything. 
Um, so I, I don't know. I, 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 it's worth noting that he is he stated he was working on the fight, which makes it sound like he is putting public pressure on Manny Pacquiao to take the fight. But I don't think he realizes nobody really cares to see it. Yeah, Manny, don't don't uh. Manny, you're still forty out here, like still out here putting on competitive fights. Don't don't do that. Manny, you just beat Keith Thurman. Right. <laughs> don't, don't fall for the bait. Don't don't go, fall for the bait. Go fight Errol Spence. Don't do that. Or Sean Porter. <laughs> don't fight Errol Spence. I mean, just beat Keith Thurman. We all wanted Errol Spence to fight Keith Thurman, so I don't see why we can't have Manny Pacquiao fight Errol Spence. I mean, it's not like he's not going to be on the juice, so he'll have a shot. That's true. That's true. I don't know. What are you doing, Floyd? I I know what you're doing, Floyd. All of the money, none of the the brain damage, I guess. (laughs) You go in there, throw a couple jabs and a couple hooks for a couple minutes and make a couple million. Not Not have to strain your muscles too hard. Money marks. Yeah. God. They exist for a reason. Yeah. Well, that'll potentially be a thing that... Yeah, that's nasty. (laughs) That's a a filthy fight. God. That is awful. But... That becomes a thing. Yeah. That becomes a thing. We'll talk about it, sadly. But... um, I'll save my news story, actually, for my parting shot and shout-out, because I don't have one. Ooh. So I'm gonna save mine. Uh, so we'll just get into some fights. Guess we'll just keep the boxing theme going, <laughs> running off of Floyd and uh, Manny potentially uh, having an exhibition and, and a fight that wasn't an exhibition. I mean, um, wasn't it though? Well, I'm gonna start with the Serrano. Yeah, that's what I meant. Oh, that's what you meant. <laughs> All right, again. <laughs> I love women's boxing. Been following it for almost as long as I've been following MMA. And actually, it's like men's boxing. But like, WBC, WBO, IBF, um, the other two that I am currently forgetting. Can we just fucking get rid of these two minute rounds? Yeah, that's kind of. Also, crap. can you give the women 12 rounds like you do the men? Like, come on. Yeah, it's not, it's not like, it's not like women are incapable of going a three-minute round. I don't think an extra minute is going to, yeah, it doesn't. It's dumb. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, and there's no, I would love to hear, like, what their, like, actual, like, logical explanation for it is. It has to do with, like, women are more susceptible to brain damage, blah, 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 um, it's this whole thing that the WBC has on, like... And th- there's something to it, but at the same time, like, if if the whole... If the barrier is, like, susceptibility to brain damage, then why the hell are we even doing boxing? You know what I mean? Right. And if you want some people to... If you want some more finishes, you gotta give fighters more than two minutes. Like, right. That's a really short amount of time. To try to like get somebody out of there, um, but for those who don't know what we're talking about, over this weekend, uh, Amanda Serrano, who is uh, what? What are her credentials? Because I will get this wrong. 
She is a seven weight division world champion. She's won titles in seven different weight classes, which I believe is more than any man or woman in the history of boxing. Um, and she fought Heather Hardy, who most of our listeners probably know as uh, a Bellator fighter, but was 22-0 and 0 heading into the fight and had just recently won her first world champion, the WBO featherweight title, I believe it was. Um, and is actually a pretty big local star in New York. She always brings out a crowd whenever she fights. I, I got to see her fight with Shelly Vincent live once, and like it was on the same card as Errol Spence versus uh, was it Leonardo Bundu. And um, the crowd went crazy for her, way more than they did for Spence. Which, in all fairness, Spence is from, like, Texas, so I guess that doesn't mean as much. But, yeah, still, it, it was a big unification fight at, uh, at Featherweight. I and, guess I'll just... Oh, go ahead. No, 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 go, for, go ahead, go for it. Uh, I was going to say that before we even get into the fight, like, the actual fight breakdown, I... I just have to appreciate Serrano for coming out in the Jays. Yes. Um, boy, um, for those who don't know what we're talking about, like most boxers, they fight in the, the, the boxing boots, shoes, or whatever they are. Not Serrano, though, man. She came out in some clean white and red Jays. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like a true bori- uh, Boricua. Like, boy. just absolutely... In the basketball shoes. Yeah, I was going to say, it looked like she came out ready to hoop instead exactly. of fighting. <laughs> she, like she was definitely about to hit. She was definitely about to hit the court for a pickup game. Um, she was out there, and her Jordan's getting busy. Um, boy, those first two rounds were really brutal. Um, Toronto caught Hardy with a lot of power shots. Like, it, it, it looked like one of those fights that, like, had Hardy, and if you know Hardy, like, she's, like, crazy tough for no reason. Um, so she can kind of survive, I guess, that kind of punishment. But anybody else probably would have, you'd have been out of there round one. Round two at the latest. Because Serrano was just unloading on Hardy from, from, from the get-go. Like, every time she had Hardy backed up against the ropes, it was like, oh, boy, this is, this is not about to be good. Um, ugh. According to this uh, little breakdown <laughs> reading of the fight, um, I guess this was in the first round. Uh, Hardy landed, not Hardy, uh, Serrano landed 38 of 58 power punches <laughs> in the yep. opening round. <laughs> like, she was unloading on Hardy for the first two. Um, the fight kind of settled down a little bit after that. Um, it became a bit more measured. And, like, there were... There were moments when Hardy would, like, kind of sort of get something going. It's not that she wasn't landing punches. It's just that Serrano was, her hits were so much cleaner and so much harder. Um, and just, right. they had a lot more consequence to them. Um, Every time she hit, she hit Hardy, like, Hardy shook. Right. Um, like, Ser- uh, Serrano has, like, one of the craziest knockout to win ratios in, like, women's boxing. Uh, what, 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 27, 37 wins, 27 KOs. Yeah, like, you're, you're not going to find, a, like, for someone with almost 40 fights, you're not going to find, like, a better ratio. I don't know, maybe Anna-Sophie Mathis has one, but, um, anna and <clears throat> um, yeah, no, like, just really good showing for Serrano. Um, not a bad showing for Heather Hardy, like, she 
arguably could have been stopped in that first round and fought back to take a couple of rounds on the scorecards. Um, you know, or like you said, like her toughness and her cardio are like her biggest uh, attributes, and they were on display here. Um, never, uh, was never too shook. Um, like never seemed like she was like fighting on autopilot. Right. Was very alert. Was very much trying to figure out a way to get Serrano off of her. Also worth mentioning, these like I don't think they're best friends, but these two are like training partners. Uh, were training partners at one point. Like I think they had previously not sparred for in like five years or something. Yeah, but, they, they mentioned that a lot in the broadcast. Yeah, and like they're both Lou DiBella fighters, so like they they're they're around one another. My point being, like they're they're not, like they're both from Brooklyn. Um. They're 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 familiar with one another, so that that played a little bit into the fight, maybe. Um, but huge win for Serrano. Um, got herself the in uh what is it the interim WBO belt or the, the interim WBC belt? Um, I believe that's a belt that's held by Heather, not Heather Hardy. Um, Katie Taylor. I want to say, I could be wrong about that. But uh, Katie Taylor is up. She's apparently moving up to like welterweight or something. Or I'm sorry. Uh, she said she was moving up to like junior welterweight, so 140. So I don't know if because that's the fight that they were really pumping on commentary, and that's that's the fight everybody wants to see. It's Amanda Serrano versus uh, Katie Taylor. Like that's the fight. Um, but considering that Katie Taylor. Probably should have lost the decision to Delphine Pursun. Um in her, in her last one, like and she's apparently going up to 140 pounds. It's like there's not really a queer next opponent for Amanda Serrano if she's not around. Um I'd like to see her go up and fight Delphine. Um if that fight's possible. Um I'd like to, if they could get Katie Taylor to agree to fight, I'd love to see that one. Um but right now it's just her basically walking through opponents like even the ones that make it to the end with her like they they look probably far worse off than um than hardy did like she absolutely destroyed ava vorberger who was a very good fighter in her last one so yeah so i don't know if like mma is next for her because she's she still fights for combate um i think she has a fight schedule for like november if i remember right um but yeah, no, like good showing all around, good fight. Yeah, looking forward to seeing her again. It, it, they mentioned they mentioned it like briefly during the broadcast. It kind of sucks that somebody as talented, really for both, like for Serrano and Hardy, who kind of like I guess in women's boxing don't you know they're not raking in the millions or you know they're not making the Floyd money. So they kind of have to like do MMA and <laughs> fight in all of these other like sports just to kind of. Just kind of like keep themselves out there. Yeah, and it, it seems it, like the opportunities just aren't there aren't as plentiful. Yeah, like one of the things that Heather Hardy has stated, like um, right before her last fight in Bellator, was that oh, PBC basically bought up like Brooklyn boxing. Like they are like all the cars that happen in Brooklyn are basically PBC cars or PBC affiliates or whatever, and PBC doesn't really run women's bouts. Um, I know Floyd has Savannah Marshall, the woman who beat, uh, the, the only woman who ever beat Clarissa Shields um, as an amateur, but 
still. Um, has that has her signed? But I don't know if they have any other women signed. Like they don't put on women's bouts, and if they're the only ones running boxing shows in the in Brooklyn and New York, um, it makes it really hard for like these other women to get like spots. Like Heather Hardy has made her living on the undercards of like big fights in the in New York. Um, like her fight with uh, Noemi. Um, Noemi Bosquez was on the undercard for Amir Khan versus like who was it Chris Algieri, like that. That's how she's made her living. And if those spots aren't available anymore, like we're, we're stuck seeing her fight on the prelims of like a Bellator card where she's forced to grapple. Right. And nobody wants to see that. Yeah. So well, uh, yeah. L- looking forward to seeing Serrano again, though. Definitely go back and watch uh, that fight if you have the zone. Uh, so or if you don't. Or, or if you don't, don't yeah. Go, go just, on Daily Motion. It's there. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> you'll, you'll find it. But no, great great showing from Serrano, man. Just just out there in Jays handling business. Mm-hmm. So congrats to Amanda Serrano uh, defeating Heather Hardy via unanimous decision. Moving on to another boxing fight that I almost was going to give up and not watch last night because, God, why do boxing intros take so long? But I toughed it out. I made it. Got some some heavyweight fisticuffs. Tyson Fury versus Otto. Is it Wallen? Wallen. 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 Swedish is weird to me. It's probably Wallen. It's Swedish. Probably. I don't know. Either way. <laughs> Tyson Fury. I'll just call him Otto. <laughs> versus Otto. Um, I just... I can never not mention Tyson Fury's frame is, you know, 95% leg. It's just really, it's, uh, it makes sense why he has good footwork and how he can move because he's all leg. So you better be able to like move and have good footwork and get in and out <laughs> if you have all that leg on you. But, um, Tyson no, this... legs all the way up Fury, like. <laughs> like, Them shits is just connected to his shoulders. <laughs> like, he's got the one of the weirdest frames I've ever seen. But um, this 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 ended up being a really awesome fight. Um, I had, I had a lot of fun once I got through all the pain of the long intro when we had to sing like eight national anthems. Um, yeah, this this fight was worth this was worth staying up for. Um. I was not familiar with Otto at all, so I didn't really know what I was getting into, what was going to happen. All I remember looking at when the fight first started was they mentioned, like, Tyson Fury has an 85-inch reach. Otto clearly doesn't have near, I don't know what his reach was, but it clearly wasn't that big. I was like, all right, he's going to have to find a way to get inside without getting jabbed to death. Um, And... I mean, I feel like the first round was kind of, you know, feel out. Tyson working the jab. He's doing his footwork. He's doing his, uh, he's doing his Tyson things as we as we know him to do. And it started to get a little interesting for me. Probably I don't remember when the cut happened, but that was the I guess fourth be- round. Fourth. Yep. Probably around like the second and third. I guess got interesting for me because I I didn't know who who Wallen was or Valen. Auto, <laughs> but 
I guess because I didn't know who Otto was, I was expecting Tyson to, like, get him out of there quick. Or maybe not even get him out of there quick, but kind of just, like, it's going to look like a master class. Like, he's going to take this little poor Otto guy to school, and he's probably just going to box his face off for 12 rounds or eventually knock him out. But Otto was hanging in there. Like, he he lost. He, he was losing a couple rounds, but I don't think he was getting, like, dominated. Um, he still had to work to get to the inside because Tyson has a really, really long jab. And, you know, for a guy his size, still really mobile, so he can kind of get in and out. You think you got him against the ropes, he hit you with a little rope-a-dope, and that's a whole issue. And then, but Otto was still somehow getting inside. He would land some, some good body shots. He was letting Tyson know, like, hey, you're not about to just, it's not going to be one of them. It's not a squash match. Um, and then it got real interesting in that fourth round when Otto caught Tyson with the left, and we see this cut, this nasty cut open up above uh, Tyson's right eye, and boy, that, that cut was bad. Like, it was, he had, like, another dimension opened on top of his eye. It, it was really... It was really nasty. Like, the amount of Vaseline they put on that cut was disturbing uh, in the corner. And I was I was getting a little nervous for Tyson because a lot of fighting in general, is it, it can be, like, momentum-based. And for me, for a couple moments, it felt like the momentum was, like, auto wasn't going away easily, and now we got this cut to deal with. And I'm like, oh, man, like, Tyson could potentially lose this fight, not because Otto is, like, boxing him to death, but you eat a couple more to that eye, and we might have a real situation here. And it seemed like that for maybe, like, a round or two, where, like, the blood just kept coming down Tyson's eye, and you could tell it was bothering him, because, like, every couple seconds he had to, like, use his glove to, like, wash, like, wipe the blood away from his eye. Um... And Otto was making it a, a dirty, just kind of, he was he was getting in Tyson's face a little bit. And I was like, oh, man, like, he, <laughs> I was having flashbacks of the Ruiz and Joshua fight. I was like, oh, we're going to have another one of those moments, and it's going to end with a cut? Like, because I, I don't know, for a couple moments, I was a little worried for, for, for Tyson. But I got to give Fury a lot of props, man. For those couple rounds, eyes bleeding, it's looking really bad. They got an absurd amount of gasoline on the cut. Auto's not going away. I'm like, all right, he might, we we might see a crazy upset. And boy, did I love when fighters just respond. I, I love when fighters are aware of what's going on because clearly Tyson knew. Like, all right, I have this nasty cut above my eye. It's causing a lot of problems. I can't have this fight get stopped. I got to start going in. And boy, did he start. <laughs> I don't know if it was like sixth or seventh round. It was like a light like switch. Like, all the momentum that I thought Otto had or, like, could have had and built up on, it, it just went away. Like, he started to really just go in on Otto. Like, he was throwing power shots. He was landing good combinations. Um, Otto, I don't know if he was focusing on trying to hit the spot too much, but it felt like what he was doing in the first half of the fight, like, didn't carry over to the second half. And I don't know if it was more of he was headhunting or if it was more of, like, Tyson really started to just kind of put it on him. Like, he wasn't, he was being way, he was being much more aggressive than he was in the first half. Um, and he was really putting it on auto. Just really good combinations. He, he, was, he was feeling himself. Well, after, uh, it, that came after, I guess, the end of the fifth or the beginning of the sixth round, where 
I don't know, just sticks his fucking thumb into oh, yeah. cut <laughs> as the referee is trying to break them up. <laughs> that was a super, like, that was like a movie villain, like, that was like a movie villain move. <laughs> yeah, he really did just kind of push his hand, like, right into that man's cut. Man, and, I'm, like, not, I'm not saying I condone it, but let's be real. Right, like, I did you know, <laughs> you, you it is do, what it is. You want to be the video heavyweight champion of the world, you fuck with the rules. Right. <laughs> and, like, that's a moment. Like, I know Otto realized, like, dude, I might be on the cusp of, I might pull off one of the greatest upsets. <laughs> like, and then he spent we'll, the next five rounds getting the shit beat out of him. Yeah. That's that boy. When Tyson, lit, he switched, flick a, a, a light switch, and he just started just, unleashing on auto just every round just power shots combinations walking them down jabbing them just everything like he really was beating the life out of auto and then auto he tried to come back that 12th round he um i missed the punch that he staggered him with i don't know if i like looked away from the screen a second because he hit tyson with something in that 12th that kind of shook him a little bit yeah it was a left hand over the top oh okay yeah the left the left gets it done again, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess. Because, yeah, he definitely staggered him. And Tyson looked like he was in trouble for a little bit in that 12. He was he was retreating, but too little too late. Because that that whole middle of the round, not middle of the round, those whole middle rounds were just slacking. And the 12th round was not enough to to make up for it. But it was, that was an awesome, that was an awesome fight. Shout out to Otto. Yeah, good, I, good, good I, showing from him. I was I was not looking forward to the fight um, ahead of time because Tyson Fury's fights they 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 tend not to go the way you 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 kind of hope that the top heavyweight in the world goes. Um, remember his fight with the dude before he fought um, Deontay Wilder, and he got bored and started watching the fight that was happening in the crowd. Right. <laughs> like, like w- w- when Fury's unmotivated, he, like his level—I want to say his level of like. Maybe it's just a style thing. Maybe he just. Maybe he's just like. Maybe tall dudes are just like his thing, like in the ring, and that's where he like really shines. But like, there are ways to make um, fights with him ugly, and we've seen guys be able to do it in the past. Um, no, like this was a pretty good fight. Um, like Rollin probably just got himself like a million dollar fight some point in the future for the title. Um, right. You know whether DAZN or PBC or I don't know if anybody else is really in the in the um or I guess I guess if DAZN it would be Eddie Hearn or whatever. But um, he's he's probably secured himself like another huge payday because like paydays at heavyweight are just ridiculous right now. Like. Andy Ruiz was supposed to be just an opponent before he got, like, the big miracle knockout um, upset win over Anthony Johnson. Or Anthony Joshua, what the hell? Um, but um, like he was still going to get paid $7 million for that fight. Like, there's just money being thrown around at heavyweight nowadays. It's really funny. It's like, oh, you'll, like, I think Vaughn was going to get paid, I think Vaughn got paid, like, three quarters of a million dollars for this fight. I think it's like a, it seems like it's like a spectacle again. Like, it's, 
I mean, it's not the heavyweight of old, but like I think this is the most probably in a long time that, as a collective, like a lot of us have been interested in heavyweight, like even remotely. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. But there's parody. There's like we, there's a there. I, I think especially with Ruiz knocking Joshua out, like there just seems like oh wait, maybe there's more to this division than meets the eye. Right. Right. Especially after both him and Fury beat the guy who ran over the division for ten years, though my my take on it is more along the lines of oh, um, these guys, particularly Joshua, probably aren't as good as we think they are, and probably aren't as far ahead of the game as like we're giving them credit for. Like, I, I think they both had particular styles and caught Klitschko at particular moments in time that made their styles even more effective. Um, you know, he, like, Klitschko's been on the downside for like a little bit. Um, and he's always struggled with tall dudes. So like, it makes sense that like Joshua and Tyson Fury are able to maximize their own offensive skill sets against him. But, like I said, there's a lot of... You're going to start to see, like, like especially with, the, like, Fury and, like, Ruiz, like, as long as these dudes keep taking chances on, like, these young guys with undefeated records or only one loss on the record, like, somebody's going to upset somebody. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dudes are looking to make... They see the, they see the bags getting thrown around. Right. Like, not... <laughs> Like not everybody is a cab driver. Like the dudes, some of the dudes that Deontay Wilder was beating on his way up. Like some of these dudes are like legit. They're just waiting for an opportunity, or just the right style matchup. All right. Um. Yeah. So so um, good fight. Look forward to Fury Wilder not happening because Wilder gets knocked out fighting Luis Ortiz or something. <laughs> Oh man, that would be crazy. So we'll, we'll get Ruiz and uh. Out of Wallen. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But no, nah, that that was an awesome fight though, man. I would uh. Um, that was on ESPN Plus, not the zone. But if you didn't get a chance to see that fight, go search it. It's it's out there in the in the in the, in the, in the webs. Definitely go give that a watch. It was a. Uh, it was pretty entertaining. Good 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 weekend for boxing. Well. I, I can say that because I only watched those two fights. I didn't see any of the other scraps that happened. So uh, the Devin Haney fight was one-sided, and Devin Haney was pretty good. So there yeah. you go. He, he got um, Abdulayev. Abdulayev. I'm I'm sorry, I can't pronounce names. Um, he they, he got him out of there in like four or five rounds, and he quit on the school. So or his coach called it for him. So yeah, good weekend for boxing. Fun, fun stuff. And this is one of those podcasts where I'm like happy to talk about fights because it was all good. Like, I didn't, I didn't. There weren't really any fights this weekend that I watched and I like dreaded watching. So shout out to everybody who fought this weekend. You made it a good time. So moving on from boxing, on to more good fights. On to some. Oh boy, yeah, there was a lot of uh, it was a lot happening on this card, boy. But it was it was a really good time. So, moving on to the main event of the evening, UFC Vancouver, which was headlined by Cowboy uh, Cerrone and Justin Gaethje. Uh, first, I'll just say what a card. I I was uh, 
I, I thoroughly enjoyed this card. One of those cards where there wasn't there wasn't a ton of finishes, but it was still entertaining pretty much from top to bottom. And real quick before we start, <laughs> I, I have to thank the very first fight, which we'll get to last because we do things from the main card down. But um, I w <laughs> before this card started, I decided to uh, write. I came home from work. And I watched the Serrano-Hardy fight because I missed it. And then there was still some time before the UFC started. So I was like, you know what? Let me dip on over to KSW on the zone, see what they got going on. And boy, did that turn out to be not a good idea. Um, I went over to KSW to watch Phil DeFreeze. And what was the other gentleman's name? Luis Henrique, I want to say his name was. Yes. Yeah, I watched these two. I can't even really say scrap it out because there was not a lot of scrapping. Um... And when it did happen, it didn't look good. Um, they had a terrible heavyweight fight for the title, which I think DeFreeze ended up winning by a split decision. But boy, was it awful. Um, that was not a good fight. Like, not a good fight at all. Terrible. Five rounds of just nothing. Um, so coming off of that fight, I was, I was a little sour. I needed to pick me up, and this card gave me gave me a good pick-me-up. So shout-outs to Austin Hubbard and Kyle Popolik. I said that right. We'll get to them later, but they were the first fight on ESPN+. Plus. They gave me the good pick-me-up that I needed, coming off of the freeze at Enrique, which I would not recommend anybody go watch. I don't know how the rest of that card turned out, but boy, was that main event. Uh, somebody who I follow on Twitter uh, was at that event, and they said during the main event, by like the second or third round, like half the arena just left. <laughs> like <laughs> People were just going home because it was not a good time. I wonder if anybody was like, like, I doubt it. I doubt it with that type of like card. I wonder if anybody was just there for specifically the main event, and like how people are like with Connor fights or something. Uh, I would hope you weren't there for the main event, cause boy, did you uh waste a hundred bucks. Boy, I'm sorry, a hundred pounds. Bucks, pounds and worse, you wasted time. You can't get that back. <laughs> you had to go park and and probably traverse through a crowd and. It did. It didn't pay off. <laughs> it didn't pay off at all. But back to uh, UFC Vancouver. Let's run this from the top. Justin Gaethje versus Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Um, coming into this fight, I pretty much figured that Gaethje was gonna melt Cerrone with pressure, and he probably would get a finish pretty early. Um, he did get the finish. But I will say, like, this fight was a lot more measured than I thought it would be. Because it wasn't a really, it wasn't like a wild, really brawling kind of fight. It was pretty well measured. Like, both dudes were, um, both fighters were picking their shots pretty good. And there were just, like, these moments of, you know, when they got in the pocket, like, it would get really violent. And then we saw how that ended. But it was a much more measured fight than I thought. Like, Gaethje came out working leg kicks off top. He started that really early, like, came out the gate, I think he threw, like, three straight leg kicks, um, Cerrone was trying to work the jab and that push kick, um, and like I said, both guys were kind of measured, just kind of really picking their shots, but what I noticed off top, and what I figured would be Cerrone's demise, uh, one, the, that right hand of Gaethje, the overhand right, which he threw a lot, <laughs> and landed more than once, um, 
I knew that would probably be a problem for Cerrone. You try to throw the jab, you get caught with the overhand. And then, like, when they have the, you know, close quarters, pocket exchanges, just Gaethje is so good in that pocket, man. Like, he he can still get off some really hard and clean shots if he connects on you in, in the pocket. Like, he can... He can really just kind of take advantage of almost any moment on the feet. It doesn't matter if we're at distance, if we're in close range, if we're exiting from, like, an exchange. He's just, like, uber effective anywhere on the feet. Um, and, yeah, like, Cerrone did a decent job of, you know, he was trying to pick his shots. But I, you, I could just tell, like, uh, this is not going to go well, man. Like, Gaethje hits too hard. <laughs> he... He's too good in the pocket. He started hitting Cerrone with a couple overhand rights, and I'm like, all right, this is probably gonna, probably gonna end at some point. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it it ended. He uh he clocks <laughs> he clocks Cerrone. I think that was an overhand. I think it was an overhand right that initially dropped him. Um, and it was crazy because when Cerrone when Gaethje dropped Cerrone. It was wild. Like, Cerrone never took his eyes off of Gagey. Like, when he dropped to that knee, he was still looking up that first time he got dropped. Mm-hmm. He was still looking. And he was still trying to fight. He, he tried was looking to get Gaethje back up, bro. but his legs just, like, gave up. Yeah. Yeah. Legs were like, nah, bro. But his mind and his body, he really was trying to just get back up and keep throwing. Because his, his eyes never left Gagey. And he was looking straight at him. He tried to, like, get up and, like, jab. And I think he got caught with... Um, they ended up clinching. He got caught with, a, I think he got caught with some uppercuts. And boy, just, like I said, Gaethje in close quarters is just, I imagine that not being a good time. Like, he catches you with some uppercuts. They land clean. Cerrone drops. Um, and then they have the, the sad, like, friendship moment when you're fighting your friend and you don't, like, want to hurt him. Where, like, he kind of knows Cerrone's out of it, so he's looking at the ref to be like, I don't really want to hit him anymore. But then you kind of have to because the ref didn't stop it. So he, he hits him with, like, two or three more shots just to kind of well, seal the deal. Like, the, the fucked up thing is, like, the ref did step between, like, Cerrone and Gaethje, and Gaethje stopped, and then the ref was, like, keep going. Right. So, and it's like, come on, bro. Yeah. Like, I, we didn't have to. But it wasn't, like, a brutal, it wasn't a brutal stoppage. Like, I don't think it was one of those, like, I'm not going to get in the uproar about it. But, like, just because you know they're friends, it's like, right, that kind of, that kind of sucks. Like, you kind of don't want to do that to somebody you're cool with. Right. But you know you gotta you gotta finish the job till the till the ref says, you know till till he calls it. So you gotta make your money. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, gotta make the money. So yeah, this fight kind of pretty much went the way I thought. Just I thought it would be a little more wild, but it was much more composed, uh, really from both sides, and especially from Gaethje, who's I think been fighting a lot smarter lately, not rushing into too many crazy things. And a measured Gaethje is scary. Oh, hell yeah. Dude yeah, has bricks for hands even when he's not charging forward. So. Uh, hmm. I've been watching this replay of the knockdown for, like, the entire time you were talking. <laughs> yeah. It's really weird to me because, like, Gaethje's, like, stepping back. And I'm like, I'm not used to this. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, no, the the... Like you said, we got a less aggressive Gaethje, I guess. Um, he made Cerrone have to close distance, attacked his leg a few times early in the fight, um, early in the round, I guess. Um, really hard. You could tell it visibly, like, 
And that hurt Cerrone, but it was like, okay, this is a thing that I have to be re- weary of. Um, and really tried to make Cerrone close the distance on him, and it ended up costing him the fight because uh, like the, the finishing sequence is Cerrone getting caught with a left hook that doesn't really connect, but Gaethje uses it to lower Cerrone's head. And instead of like trying to circle out, Cerrone, who's so hell-bent on closing distance and like trying to put any type of offense on Gaethje, decides to follow it up by shifting into a left straight and gets caught with a right hook that immediately puts him down. And, like, his, like you're saying, he's still looking at Gaethje, but you can tell, like, it's over at that point. Like, his leg, like, he puts his leg down to get up. He can't find his balance. Like, he, he, he tries to put his hand down the mat and somehow misses. It's really weird. Um... Yeah, I, I like the I like measured Gaethje. Um, don't get me wrong; I'm all for like crazy reckless. I'm going to hit you, and you can hit me as many times as you want. Um, style of pressure, but like listening to Gaethje on the countdown talk about like just anything, and hearing him slur so hard. He's only like what thirty three years old or something like that. Not even. Yeah. He might just be thirty. Um, let me check real quick. Yeah, he's only thirty. Like he he has the not the not quite Chuck Liddell slur, but he, he's he's getting there. So like seeing him go through a fight, take zero damage, and still knock a dude out is great because good God, I don't like I I, I don't want to hear Gaethje get progressively worse from countdown to countdown to countdown. Um. Like he has defense. Like that's the thing though. Like even watching Gaethje like. In World Series of Fight, like he has defensive skills, like he is capable of doing what he did against Cerrone here and like slipping a punch and coming back with a counter, um, and you know fighting at distance and not getting into wild uh, fifty punch exchanges, but for where like he he's up to this point been very aggressive, like he's wanted to be very aggressive and put his game plan on other people, but I I, I guess he's learned from the Poirier and um. Alvarez losses that that's not always going to be available for him. So like I'm, right. I'm happy. Um, he's back in title contention. There's three first round knockouts in a row. Uh, How do you think he? Uh, and we we've kind of pondered this question before. How do you think he matches up against Habib? I think he probably matches up better than Tony does. To be honest with you. Um, like. The problem I see with Khabib is that guys give him too much respect. Um, they don't want to get into cl- like long extended clinch exchanges, exchanges with him, but at the same time, like you're only going to beat Khabib if you're standing in front of him. If you're moving away and backing into the cage, you're going to lose. Like there's no, like he's the best cage wrestler in MMA. All right. Um, he's the best cage grappler too, because like you can't even use the cage to get back up because he's so great at using it to keep you down. Like he like the the switch that Dustin Poirier hit almost hit on him was basically nullified because he was able to throw his hips into the cage to avoid like just completely falling over and and also to avoid like Dustin Poirier swimming his arms through his legs. So dude knows what he's doing. So like a guy like Poirier who's not gonna be afraid to meet him in the middle. And theoretically has the wrestling chops to at least put up a fight should Khabib grab like a low uh a low single like he likes to do. Like 
I, I think that matches up better than Tony Ferguson, who's just going to uh, march forward recklessly at points. Tony Ferguson, Tony, Tony Ferguson will car will his way out of a takedown. Yeah, like. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm, I, I, behind the Ferguson fight, like I, I think that's the most entertaining fight possible for uh for Khabib. So at least I lightweight. So like I, I'm fully on board um he called out Conor mcgregor mcgregor is not retired but i i think mcgregor's retired for the moment yeah. I, I don't think mcgregor wants to fight ghg to be honest no, he with you shouldn't. he shouldn't want that smoke <laughs> yeah i think gaethje and tony are the two guys who i look at for habib and i'm like if there's two guys that can do it it's them right if they if neither of them can I don't know what the rest of y'all are going to do. I don't know. Uh, outside of, like, a random moment where you just got, like, a absurd amount of power and you just managed to maybe clip Habib, I don't see how anybody else other than those two in that division gets it done. Right. Um, the only other fight available for him right now would be Poirier, a rematch, which I don't think the UFC would do because why would you get rid of a contender? Right. Um, and I guess Paul Felder. Who is also coming off a win over SM Barbosa. And, you know, the timeline matches up. If they're able to get that fight, uh, the Ferguson Khabib fight set for 245, maybe you throw Gaethje on there with, um, I guess, whoever would be available, whether it be Connor or Paul Felder or uh, some wild card third person. All right. And that way you just you keep building the story. So you already there'll be no question as to who's next in line, even though with the UFC you still never I mean I'm expecting Dana any any day now to be like Connor is going to be fighting Khabib because Tony Ferguson would accept my friend request on like Facebook or something. Right. <laughs> something stupid. But good good on Gagey, man, yeah. Once again, yeah, in in title contention, dude is just an animal. And a quick note, I'm not even going to elaborate on this. Um, I'm just going to say this, and I'm going to leave it where it is. Um, I'm pretty sure during this main event, I'm going to say most people, at least that I saw on social media, everybody loves Cerrone and, Dust, and, and Justin Gaethje. Everybody loves them. Most people do. Or even if you're not a fan, you love watching them fight. Um, and if you're a fan of Cerrone and you're a fan of Gaethje and you still believe that there aren't any good fighters outside of the UFC, I need you to examine yourself and the sport that you watch and uh, know where your fighters come from. They didn't get their starts there. Are you saying? <laughs> are you saying Timofey Nastyukin is the man who's going to beat Khabib Nurmagomedov? I mean, hey man, <laughs> <laughs> you got a shot. <laughs> I'm just saying. I just find it real funny how much people love Cerrone and Gaethje. But if you know the origins, if you know, you know. If you don't, I don't know what to tell you. But congrats to Justin Gaethje. Got the finish over Cerrone in the first round. Moving on to the co-main event. Glover Teixeira steps on the lawn to fight Nikita Krylov. Um, I'm always I'm always happy when Glover beats the youngins. 
Even though I like Krylov, but I like seeing Glover get the wins over over the youngins. He continues to fight on the lawn for another day. Um, boy, even at like 39, I don't think he's 40 yet, but you know, round up, he's pretty much there. He looks like he's 50, but 39 <laughs> year old Glover, still like really crazy, like well rounded man, like. He can go in there and box you up, or he can just go in there kind of like he did with Krylov. I really enjoyed the ground exchanges uh, in this matchup, but really good job of being able to take Krylov down. Um, really good at getting some some clean takedowns, working position, and landing some good ground and pound. Um, he went for a couple of submissions in this fight, um, but Krylov also had his own moments of... Um, at least in that first round, it was a lot of it was a lot of grappling and just groundwork in the first round uh, between the two. Uh, I think Glover probably I think got the better of the grappling exchanges in the first. Second round was a lot a lot more standing on the feet. Um, Krylov spent a lot of time kind of circling around on the outside. Straight up doing um, his best Alexander Gustafson impression. Just yeah, he did that, <laughs> that point when he it wasn't a head kick, it was a body kick. He definitely did like turn around and just kind of hit the little the little jog, <laughs> hit the little running man. <laughs> but um, no nah, man, Glover at 39 still like bringing pressure. He had Krylov fighting from the outside, kind of just circling around. Um, you know Glover, he's gonna try to catch you with that overhand right. Um, and he got that off a couple times. Uh, I was I, I like what what Glover did, man. It was. He's pretty much, like I said, another one of the guys that's really well-rounded and can be effective pretty much everywhere. Um, if you take him on the ground, and I like when he takes dudes to the ground, and you saw it in the Krylov fight, like, he's not just trying to, not just going to lay there and just kind of, you know, just sit on you. Like, I'm going to work some ground and pound. I'm going to try to advance position. I'm trying to get some kind of submission. I'm going to take your back. Um, but Krylov had his moments. I think he took Glover's back at least at one moment in this fight. Um, he got yeah he almost choked him out. Yeah, he almost choked him out. Yeah, yeah. I think it was and there, there, second round, beginning of the second round, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And there there was a lot of like I like the just the back and forth kind of ground exchanges that they had. Um, but I think Glover just overall had a better game. I think he did a lot better on the feet, and I think it looks better. Even though Krylov was landing shots, I think it. It's favorable favorable to the judges eye when you see Glover is the one who's kind of pushing forward, and Krylov is like on his back pedal and literally at points, <laughs> like could take taking a little jog around the ring. Like that doesn't look good. The, the optics of that doesn't look good. Um, and then I think it was in the third Glover tried to hit the armbar on him, but uh, Krylov yeah. got out of it. But really impressive groundwork from from Glover. Good ground and pound, good stand up, just a good overall well rounded performance. It was a, it was a close fight. I enjoyed it. Um, Krylov had his moments. I just think he wasn't. Uh, I think those moments on the feet kind of hurt him. Of you kind of backing up a lot of the time, like it just kind of in the judges' eyes that probably just doesn't look good. Not yeah. to say he didn't put up a good fight, but and he bloodied the crap out of the two yeah. up. Like he he didn't hurt him in the same way that Jan Kudalaba did, but like. He, d he definitely did some damage. Um, yeah. Like, Krylov is a little frustrating because, like, there are areas where you could just clearly tell, like, it, it, like, it kind of looks like he's never just...
been in that situation before, like training wise. And then there are like situations where like, oh, um, this man is charging at me. I'm going to hit like a, a really clean pivot into a jab and then just circle off. Which he did at one point. I was like, wow, that's a really nice, like, that's a really nice move. Like, why don't you do that more? And then, like, he got hit by a body kick. He just ran away. Um, <laughs> but, like, yeah, I, I was surprised that he stuck with Glover so well on the ground. Like, he's the same man who was, um, you know, Von Fluchotes. Um, Not even, what, three years ago? Not even. Mm. Oh, this was five years ago. Never mind. God. I thought this was, like, 2016. Um, but, like, you know, grappling's always been an issue with him. Where, like, he, he's good enough to, like, muscle submissions against, like, dudes on the regional circuit. He's got, like, 15 submission wins. But, like, you put him in there with, like, a Misha Serkinov, a Jan Blachowicz. They're able to get on top of him and submit him. So I was pleasant. I was pretty surprised. Like, the, you, he did more than hang with Glover. He put him in, like, some dangerous situations. Um, forced him to force Glover to go his, to his back at certain points. Got mount. Um, had him in a couple of like really uh, uh, one or two like guillotine attempts that I thought were pretty good. Like not, um, not not too crazy. Um, and got out of a couple of his own. So, like really solid performance from Nikita Krylov in in the loss. Like arguably the best performance of his career. If we're being honest, like um, front to end anyway. Um, yeah, no, Glover, three wins in a row. Um, in four of the four and one in his last four. Um, like like you said, he's just out here handling these prospects. Like the only prospect that's beaten him recently is like Corey Anderson, who. Who just seems to have disappeared into the abyss um, in 2019? <laughs> he he got lost in the shuffle, and now he has to fight Johnny Walker. Uh, good luck with that. Um, yeah. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna talk about somebody in a minute who reminds me a lot of Johnny Walker. So I I, I can't even say like yeah. good luck with that because <laughs> we, we see what the other end of that stick is. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, good fight. Um, good performance from both guys. Like, it's cool that Glover's, like, 40 years old. He's still out here, still racking up wins. And looks good doing it. Like, it's not like you look at him and you're like, oh, man, get this old guy. Like, he still looks... Like, yeah, he like, still effective. I think that's the most surprising thing. He does... Like, he looks... He looks like a 40-year-old who fights well. Like... Right. Like, he, he he's not, um... I don't know, freaking like Chael Sonnen, like where it's like everything looks desperate. Like he's right. <laughs> he he's still out here and just performing well. So props to him for that. He told you on the post fight interview, you just got to believe in yourself. You got to believe you can kick them off the lawn and you can kick them off. So that's what he did. But great fight from both gentlemen. But congrats, Glover Teixeira got the uh, win via split decision. Moving on down to heavyweight, the return of Dodd, ah, as a dud of Todd Duffy, who hasn't fought since 2015, I want to say. Uh, 2014, 2015. Sound like that. Um, let me. It's been some. It's been some years. It's been a while, and, uh, Mr. Duffy. Yeah. Mr. Duffy. It's been a while. 
And then the way this ended. <laughs> the way this ended, it'll be a while before we see him again. God. But, uh, returning after his uh, hiatus, dealing with injuries and, you know, just... General happiness. Yeah, a lot, a lot of a lot of other things going on, but finally back, Todd Duffy versus Jeff Hughes. Um, man, this was one of those fights that, like, seemed like it was going somewhere, and then it abruptly ended, and then you just kind of throw your hands in the air like, oh, come on, guys. And the most <laughs> uniquely Todd Duffy of ways. Yeah, like, Duffy came out pretty aggressive, um... I kind of expected that. Like, you come out a long layoff, you probably want to come back and make a point. You want to come back and really, like, put a stamp on your performance. So he comes out, he's winging some some power shots. He's landing some some bombs. He goes for a couple takedowns against the cage. Um, I will say, and I've, I've watched Jeff Hughes fight before. Um, he has pretty, like, fast hands for a guy his size. He's not really a huge heavyweight, but I don't know if – it looked like a lot of times when Duffy threw – like I could see a lot of his punches coming, but he was he was just, like pretty quick for a guy. Well, that's because Todd like, Duffy winds his fucking punches up like a windup doll. Right. Because <laughs> like, I was like, I don't know if Duffy's throwing slow or if he was just really that fast. But there seems to be like a kind of there's a discrepancy here. Um, but yeah, it it was a it was a fun heavyweight fight like up until the end, like one of those typical heavyweight fights. Like Duffy landing a lot of power shots against the cage. You have a moment where, like, Duffy rocks Hughes and, like, oh, you think it's going to be over. And then Hughes recovers. Um, and then at one point, he started countering with power shots with his back against the cage. And I think he backed Duffy off for a little moment. And it's like, all right, we got a nice little heavyweight. You know, we got something going here. And uh, Duffy had actually hurt Hughes, I want to say. I can't remember what he landed. Um, but he had Hughes in, in a pretty good amount of trouble, like, right before the fight ended the way it did um and then i think they were they were clinching against the cage right i want to say yeah like duffy, duffy rocked hughes and then this, they ended up clinching against the cage and well duffy came out and he was like trying to take hughes down for like a good portion of the fight yeah and then like he was like i guess this isn't working i'm going to flurry on hughes and he did and then he tried to take him down again then he tried to flurry again and then hughes caught him and turned that into him pushing duffy up against the cage Right. Heavyweight. Just heavyweight. Yeah. Heavyweight stuff. <laughs> it wouldn't it be a real fight unless somebody was getting pushed into the cage. Right. And then we have all this chaos going on, and it looks like it, it looks like somebody's about to get put away. Like, it was like, this not about to make it out the first round. And then they clinch against the cage. Somehow uh, a finger ends up in Duffy's eye. Uh, they separate. I, I thought it was funny that... <laughs> <laughs> the first thing the ref said to Duffy wasn't about the eye, it was about him grabbing the cage. <laughs> like, he doesn't go up to ask Duffy if he, if he can see. He's like, if you grab the cage one more time, I'm taking the point. And then he asked him about his eye. Thought that was kind of funny. Priorities. But, um, yeah, they go look at Duffy's eye. And it was, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't like to say people quit. I'm not in there. I'm not going to put that on anybody. And I, I kind of don't want to say that because it's not like Duffy. Duffy was kind of close to finishing that fight. He had some momentum going at least. Like he had Rock Hughes, had him hurt. Um, Might have been a little tired because it looked like he was expending a lot of energy, winging those shots, plus going for takedowns that 
he was working hard for, but they didn't really like pay off. So he probably was a little winded. But I thought the fight was gonna go on, but until Duffy just kept saying, "I'm seeing double, I'm seeing double," because I don't really think the doctor was. I mean, obviously he's concerned, but I don't know. It didn't give me the vibe that the fight was about to end. And then Duffy just kept saying, I'm seeing double, I'm seeing double. And then next thing you know, ref's waving his hands and we have no contest. Uh, heavyweight MMA, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, and I don't want to be too critical of Duffy when I say this, but Duffy is not like... Duffy's not the guy who's going to get knocked down and then stand back up. You know what I mean? If he has an out, he's going to take it. Um, and from the replay, like, if if he got poked in the eye, like, it was slight. It was glazing. And, like, that, that, that could fuck up your vision either way. But, like, it, it, it seems like Duffy wanted an out. And, I, I like, I'm not calling his courage into question. This is a dude who had to sit out for four and a half years because fuck, he, he couldn't afford getting treated until they built the UFCPI. Uh, and, like, he, he's been open about, like, he's basically broke. Like, you know, he, he's taking advice because he needs money. Um, so, but, like, I, I understand, like, if he's, like, worried about his vision and, like, uh, my, my eyesight, like, my health is more important than like going out here and getting an extra I don't know how much he's getting paid like $20,000 um because like one pays for the other you know what I mean all right so I I can't I can't put anything I, I'm not gonna brag on him for um for not wanting to go out there with potentially compromised vision um so yeah, it is it, it is, it happens sometimes it is what it is. Yeah, it's it is what it is. So see, I, I don't want to rag on him either. Like I'm not in there. I don't know. It's it's unfortunate from a fan's perspective. We had a good fight. We had, we had some nice heavyweight fisticuffs going, and then they just kind of abruptly just kind of ended. But I don't know, man. It is it is what it is. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything else to to add. Um, hopefully, we see him again. <laughs> but after that, I don't know. See you in seven years, bro. Yeah, after that, I, I don't know. I don't know. But it was a new contest. But shout-outs to Duffy and Jeff Hughes. It was a pretty... It was a fun fight until it wasn't fun anymore. So, make of that what you will. Moving on to a fight that was all kinds of fun. <laughs> this is a fight of the year candidate, just for shenanigan purposes. Uh, Tristan Connolly, who took this fight on five days' notice, uh, steps in against Michelle Pereira, who jumps off of cages, does cartwheels, capoeira kicks, uh, random spinning motions, jumps off the cages. Um, probably not the guy you want to fight on five days' notice, you would think. Like, that's a lot to prepare for from a guy who does just so much randomness you kind of never really know what he's gonna do but uh boy oh boy were we in for a treat um i don't know what the odds were but i'm pretty sure Connolly was probably an underdog i'm gonna gonna get yeah i think he was like a minus yeah. uh, i'm sorry a plus 500 underdog yeah a lot, a lot of people thought Pereira was probably just gonna walk in and flip off a cage and cartwheel kick him to death 
<laughs> something crazy like that. But uh, no, nah, Connolly had other plans. Um, th there are a lot of lessons to be learned in this fight, from uh, what missing weight can do to you, from um, having really large explosive moments and like execute these explosive techniques that don't really mean anything. But they're really fun to watch, so I don't want them to stop. Because I didn't want to see him in the UFC just to rack up wins. I just want to be entertained. Just <laughs> I don't care if it doesn't amount to anything. I want to see the cartwheels. But, um, nah, man. Like, first round in the... Within, like, the first 20 seconds, Michelle Pereira jumps off the cage and throws his, like, patented punch. He hits, uh, a cartwheel flip that Conley's kind of backed away from. Um... They do the flip on the ground. That was in the first, right? Is that in the first two? Uh, can't remember that. I'm sorry. The 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 flip he did while Connolly was on the ground. That was also the first he... round. Yeah, yeah. And so within like twenty to thirty seconds, like the man went from break dancing to more break dancing <laughs> to doing um, I, I, I a cartwheel kick into a freaking backflip. Into a flying knee. Yeah, that that was my favorite moment of the fight. He hit two like little spinning motions and turned that into a flying knee. Yeah, um, which in which he jumped over Tristan Connor. Right. <laughs> that that can't yeah. be that can't be forgotten. Um, yeah, jumped clear over his head. And then at one point, Connolly was on his back, and he decided instead of you know going to guard or trying to pass or yeah throwing the ground and pass he's gonna turn around hit a backflip to try to stop on the man's gut so yeah great showing for hey. freaking Michelle Pereira boy on, on an entertainment perspective 12 out of 10 <laughs> at least for that first round but um Man, on a serious note, though, I ought to give Connolly a lot of credit. He weathered, I can't even really call it a storm. I don't know what that was, but he got out of I it. I mean, half the shit um, that Pereira was throwing wasn't even really offense. Like, yeah, like, you heard him in with and, a backflip. Right. <laughs> you can't, right. You get no damage points for the cartwheel. And even, like, the, the punch that he threw didn't land, and I don't think any of the knees really landed flush. But, um... I'll give Pereira credit. The one thing he did do after the shenanigans kind of tired down, I like the body work that he was doing, but it was just that I think he was so, eventually got so tired that he couldn't really keep it up because he was landing some pretty decent body shots. But I got to give Connolly a lot of credit because dude was just a workhorse. Like, he got out of all of those shenanigans and he really never stopped moving for it. Like, he was not trying to really let Pereira breathe. And also got to give Connolly credit because he's definitely not a welterweight. Like, you look at the physique of both of these two, like, there's no way Connolly's a, a real welterweight. No, he has to fight at 150. Yeah, he's, yeah. I was going to say, there's no way this guy's a welterweight. They were clearly in two different weight classes. Um, but it didn't matter. Like, Connolly was able to just kind of consistently push forward. He was landing good combinations. And like I said, Pereira, I thought, had good body work going and he did manage to get um i think in round two he actually did get a takedown and was able to work some top control for a little bit but 
you could tell that just Pereira was getting more gassed out and Connolly was just getting started. Like he, his engine never stopped going. He was constantly pushing forward, landing shots, landing combinations. Every time Pereira tried to catch a break or create distance, like Connolly was just right back in his face. Um, they had really good ground exchanges. There was at one point where Connolly tried to catch him and like a front choke and Pereira like twisted his way out of it. It was a whole crazy like sequence. It was a super entertaining back and forth. But like that gas tank from Connolly, just he just he would not go away. I can't even say it's like a gas tank that he had. It was just like Connolly can fight for fifteen minutes and Michelle Pereira can't. Right. <laughs> and Connolly can be more like effective I can't think of the other word. Um consistent his his yeah consistent and effective and like his his moments meant more like Pereira's moments were a lot of like flash factor but Connolly's was like I'm trying to actually have substance in what I'm doing it's still kind of wild just considering how the fight was but he wasn't out there wasting motion and doing car wheels like bro I'm tired of that I'm gonna keep pushing forward and I'm actually out here like I'm trying to win this fight um and he did just that. And I got to give him all the props, man. <laughs> he, he Pereira was out there trying, though. Like, he was gassed, but he was still throwing shots. But you could tell, like, he was just losing steam. And Connolly just, he just kept going. But my main takeaway from this fight, other than the cartwheels and all of the shenanigans, is the post-fight. So, obviously, because Pereira missed weight, um, I think you already got to forfeit, like, 20% of your purse or whatever that number is. Yeah. Then to make matters worse, they ended up getting fight of the night. And uh, fight of the night is 50 G's, but if you uh, if you miss weight, you don't get your 50 G's. But somebody gets the 50 G's. And uh, Connolly walks away. Takes the fight on five days notice. Wins the fight. Gets fight of the night. Walks away with 100 G's in the bag. Yeah, he is probably going home with like close to $125,000. Or wait, no, it'd be like... Yeah, like $125,000. Like, the ultimate win. <laughs> the ultimate win. Like, bro, go home and celebrate. Because that's... You won. You won. But, uh, what, what were your thoughts on, uh... <laughs> That that fight spectacle, <laughs> whatever it was that we watched. I mean, sometimes we need a reminder that MMA can be fun, and that's what this was. But Michelle Pereira is wasted in the UFC. Put him in Ryzen and put him against heavyweights. Uh, I want to see him. I want to see him try to fucking capoeira to kick fucking Bob's up. <laughs> Yeah, I can't remember who I saw on Twitter said that. They was like, he needs to go to Ryzen and fight, like, men or women. <laughs> 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 like, <laughs> you just got to throw him out there against the most random people. Like, we, we don't want to see Pereira for wins and losses. We just want to be entertained. I, I just want cartwheel kicks, like, rolling thunders, and I, I want to know what would have happened if he had landed that backflip. Like, <laughs> what does that look like? Is he stomping on, like, 
uh, Connolly's head. Is he just pushing him back into the cage? Does Connolly like take a step back and hit a suplex? Like <laughs> endless possibilities. Oh man, I want to know what happened if he would have did that spin to that flying knee and like the knee would have landed. That might have been the greatest KO ever. Mm. What a fucking fight. Oh, shots to Tristan Connolly. Apparently, um, Canada's only prospect. Hey, man. He showed up when they needed him. Yeah. Put the the country on his back. Man. Man, oh, man. Um, It's hard to segue away from that. I mean, there is no segue. That was a great <laughs> in and of itself. That will never happen again right. until the next time like, Michelle Pereira fights. Right. That like that fight is just in a vacuum on its own, and it's just like it's just its own thing. Um, but I look forward to seeing both of these gentlemen fight again. Um, props to Connolly. You got the hundred grand bag. Props to Pereira. I appreciate the entertainment. Like you said, sometimes we just need to be reminded that the sport is just fun sometimes. And there's nothing wrong with getting a fun fight. And you know what? In the middle of a card like this, I'm not mad at it. Because we got a lot of good we got a lot of good fights on this card. And this was the one fight that was still really good. It was just kinda like it had that freak factor. That that was pure spectacle. Right. I love it. <laughs> Right, and you throw it in the middle of a card like this where, like, all of the fights were really good, and it's like, I can't be mad at this because this is just, it fits right in. It fits in with everything else that's going on. It was like the, this was like a halftime show. Like, if, if MMA had halftime shows and they just wanted to put on, like, a spectacle fight, this would be it. But, um, awesome, awesome fight. <laughs> just awesome Go back and just watch that one, man. I can't really... Uh, that, that fight's hard to explain. You just, it's one of those fights you just kind of have to see for yourself. You can't really put that fight into words. But, shots to both gentlemen. But Tristan Connolly got the win via unanimous decision. Uh, moving on to middleweight. Uriah Hall versus Antonio Carlos Jr., a.k.a. Shoeface. Um, man, I'll just say off top, it was really good to just see Uriah Hall, like, fight, like, fight, fight, like, it seemed like he wanted to be out there, um, not being lackadaisical, not being, uh, um, like, waiting for things to happen, like, and not to say he put on the perfect performance, because he got taken down a lot, um, that, that's, that's a problem, but, it was good to see him really fight with, like, urgency. And, like, right out the gate. Like, it, it wasn't like a situation where he had to get rocked a couple times and it's like, all right, I got to, you know, it wasn't like the Jocko fight. We had to pull the comeback. Like, out the gate, he is working this jab. He is jabbing uh, shoe faces, uh nose off. He is, like, really popping that jab and working the one-two. Um, really just kind of going after it. Um, obviously, shoe face trying to work the ground game. Was able to get a decent amount of takedowns on Uriah, and you know that that was an issue. Uriah got taken down, I thought, a good number of times, and I don't think really Antonio had to work like too too hard for him. But props to Uriah Hall, like for even surviving on the ground. Like even though, especially in that third, he got left on the ground, he was put on the ground for a long time, but managed to like 
get himself out of all the bad spots and defend good enough to not get submitted. So I'll uh, I'll take that. And boy, that was a nasty one-two he landed. Uh, I think that was in the second or first when he dropped him. I can't remember. Um, that but, was the um, second round, I want to say. Yeah. Because when that right hand landed, I've never seen so much blood fly from somebody's face. Like, <laughs> he... He put it or he put it on yeah. uh, Antonio with that punch. Um, yeah, that was, that joint was clean. And like I said, it was just good to see Raha really go after it. He went to try to go for the finish, um, but props to Antonio. Like he, you could tell he was tired. He was taking a lot of damage, but he never really stopped trying to implement his game plan. Like even while he's on his back, getting punched in his face, he's throwing his legs up. He's still trying to go for the missions. He tried to catch Uriah in the armbar. Um, this was a really enjoyable fight, man. I, this, I, I was really happy to see Ural Hall just kind of go out there and really, like, really go for it. And it was cool to see, you know, Antonio, um, as much as he was <laughs> catching catching that jab on the feet, like, he was still going for takedowns, trying to advance position. Like, I felt like they both were really going for it in their own way. Right. And it, it made it really enjoyable. This is... So it might not be Uriah's like best performance, quote unquote, since um since he's been in the UFC. But like this is the happiest I've been with his, a fight of his since he fought. What was it was it Dylan Andrews, the Australian dude from the Tough House? Hmm. Um, where like you said, like he's using his jab, he's pit like he's pivoting in the pot, like not in the pocket but like when he's in front of somebody he's not just circling off to his right like he likes to do he's actually pivoting and then using that to counter or or you you know pivoting and like tagging somebody really hard with the jab and really messing them up because that's his best weapon he doesn't use it anywhere near enough and he doesn't use it with enough variety but he has one of the better jabs in the in the middleweight division like if, if he could get that going to like the body alongside like with his um you know uh, alongside with the, the one upstairs like it, he will start knocking dudes out again um but like here he was he he, he was more I, I don't know if this just has to do with you know shoe face not being like a great striker but like it, it felt like he was more comfortable just standing in front of his opponent and like fighting from trying to create angles that way than like Circling, 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 and hoping they walked into something. Hmm. Um, he he did a couple of times, and that's when Antonio Carlos Jr. was able to, you know, just rush his hips and push him into the cage. Um, but and, and get to his back and get the takedowns and stuff. But uh, like, just like the the first two rounds were just like pure composure that we haven't seen from Uriah in a long time, and. I'm putting a lot of this on Fortis MMA. Um, we talked about them a little earlier, but like they have done a really good job of just like turning a bunch of guys into like really composed strikers. Like Jeff Neal is one of their products, but like Carlos Diego Ferreira from last week, um, he looks completely reborn from when he got to the UFC. Um, uh, earlier in the card, we'll, we'll get some eventually, but Louis Mocha showed up, and he, that was probably his best striking performance of his career. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> they had that other dude on here who is still quite obviously green, um, but like this was a good night for them, man. Like They are showing themselves to be a very good up-and-coming team in this sport. Uh, right. Like I, I like 
the way a lot of their fighters games are built um i'm really really excited for like like carlos diego Ferreira. like i want to see him fight top 10 fighters so badly um i want to see like i really hope they're able to turn uriah's career around and he can get like a consistent streak going get himself to you know wherever his ceiling is i guess um i, I know they were saying he splits time between extreme couture and and you know, he only spent four weeks at fortis but like i'd love to see him with a full camp there yeah whatever they're doing at fortis is uh it's working because yeah guys are coming out of that gym and they are <laughs> they putting in work they have, they're putting in major work and like you said um uh antonio carlos jr did not look bad in in the spots that he was supposed to look bad i guess um like Right. We knew that if they stayed on the feet, it was probably going to be Uriah's fight to lose. But, like, seeing him just continually fight for takedowns and fight to get position and stuff like that, it was good to see after the Ian Heinish fight, where, like, it kind of felt like by the end of it, he just run out of steam. Um, you kind of hope after getting knocked down and beat up on the ground in the second round, he would go out there and really, really push for that finish. Um, you know, he, he was trying for the rear naked choke, but it wasn't especially aggressive. Um, like, he, he he wasn't trying to put Uriah on his stomach and, like, flat him out so he can go for a ground and pound and stuff like that. Nah. That and... I'll give Uriah a little credit. He did a decent job, like, fighting hands. Like, he wasn't being super complacent. Right. So... Yeah, it it was a it was a really really fun fight. That was like the theme of the night. Like a lot of these fights were just really fun. Like it was a lot going on, man. Like everybody seemed like they were like out here really trying to prove a point. Um, but congrats to Uriah Hall. Got a uh, split decision win over Antonio Carlos Jr. Um, I'm gonna let you uh, do this next fight first because it hurt my feelings. So. <laughs> I'm gonna let you head this one off. Um, oh, uh, I completely forgot what fight we're talking about. Um, so, uh, no, 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 yeah, no, 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 I, I remember. Um, so Misha Serkinov takes on Jimmy Crew. Um, Jimmy Crew at the Australian made his debut against, um, was it, what's his face? Um, Paul Craig. Albie. Oh, no, no, Paul Craig. Made his, what he made his debut against Paul Craig. Um, then like came back at Melbourne uh, in February and knocked out Sam Alvey. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was fighting Serkinov, who, it, yeah, he he was coming off the um the Johnny Walker knockout loss, which how can you hold it against him? But yeah. Which I guess we can. Well, we only hold it against him because it was part of a bigger pattern where he had been knocked out um, in two of his previous four fights. Uh, well, two of his previous three fights at the time. Um, so, you know, the word on the cur uh, like it, it just seemed like Serkinov, like the chin is just consistently going to be an issue. So what he did here is he immediately took Jimmy Crew down with the double leg, forced a ground exchange. Jimmy Jimmy Crew at one point bench press bench pressed him out of like the crucifix position, <laughs> which was yeah. super impressive, but also super telling that he had very little idea for what to actually do to get out of the position. 
Uh, Zaddy's brute power. Yeah. <laughs> like, really impressive stuff. And probably the wrong way. Um, crew managed to reverse position, got on top, got uh, some ground and, uh, ground and pound strikes in. Um, but Serkinov hits this really beautiful sweep. Um, and, God, it's, it's killing me that I don't know the name because I knew the name at one point. Basically, hooks underneath one of... Um, uh, one of Crude's knee, uh, knees with his foot. Under underhooks the um, Crude's right leg with his left arm from half guard, um, and then grabs at Crude's left ankle with his, uh, with um, Serkinov's right hand. Basically swings him back. So he that so Crude falls on his ass, and um, Serkinov is able to get to his knees. From there, Crude tries to scramble up. Gets caught in a Peruvian necktie of all things, and Serkinov sells out on it. And while uh, while Crew is turning himself over, Serkinov goes and covers Crew's mouth with his hand so that he can't breathe, which is really nasty. I love it. And then uh, Serkinov get, uh, gets the tap from Crew, all inside of like three minutes. Great fight. Yeah. It was great, great fight. It hurt. I, I, I really like crew. When I saw when I, when I saw that when I saw that choke get put in, I was like, oh no. This. Mm. When I saw the step over, I was like, oh yeah, he's out of here. Yeah. He's, uh, it was so bad that I went uh, online and googled how to do a Peruvian that time. <laughs> I needed. I need. <laughs> I went and looked up one of those instructional videos. I was like, how did he do that? How does that? How does this work? It, it's a it, it's then, a really fun move to hit on somebody who has no idea like. That it's a like it's a thing. Yeah, when I saw it, I was like, "All right, I, all right, I get how this works. It, it makes sense." I had to do it on him, but <laughs> but no, nah, that was that was a that was a nasty submission though. And the fact that like most Peruvian neckties that I see, like you're not you're not on top like that. Like you're like that that looked like it hurt more, mm. like. Because he had the, the, the top side pressure going. Right. Like, that choke alone has enough pressure. But if you're on the top side, like, that's got to be crushing. Like, but, um, no, nah, na- that was a nasty, nasty finish from Serkinov. Really, really slick way he, he set that up. Uh, hey, man, keep your head up, Crute. You know, these, these things happen. You know, you got to. <laughs> You'll come back. It's, cr- it's crazy. Serkinov's 6-3 and three in the UFC. If, if, if he's about to be on his tenth fight, like that's wild to me. It doesn't seem like he's been there like. Twenty fifteen. Yeah. Damn, he's been pretty. Uh. I don't know. That sounds sounds pretty active. He's like one of those guys who like I remember his name when you mention him, but I always have to see him like oh yeah that was the guy who did that one thing. Yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah, he he's one of those guys. But no, shout out to Serkinov. That's that was a really uh, that was a really good performance. So mm. shout out to uh, Serkinov. Got the win via Peruvian necktie in the first round, and that rounded out the main card. The main card was awesome, man. Really, the whole card was was pretty good. I have no complaints about this card. But that main card really coming off of some pretty solid prelims. You want your main card to build on that, and I think it did that and more. Like we. There's not one fight on this card. Even the Duffy Hughes fight, which ended kind of trash, but up until that point, it was still a fun fight. So I would recommend you got ESPN Plus or any other 
alternative ways you can uh go back and watch the main fight definitely go do that this main car was worth well, it was worth every every bit of, of time to, to watch it so moving on to the espn plus prelims um, I'm always worried when the headliner of the prelim is a heavyweight fight because I feel like that can either go great or it can go terribly wrong. Uh, but we had Augusto Sakai versus Marcin Tabora. And luckily, this was one of those heavyweight fights where everything turned out okay. Um, not for Tabora, but in the eyes of the audience, I think we got a, a decent um, decent showing. Um, good on Sakai, man. I really... <laughs> I can't remember what Bellator fight that was that I always attach him to, which was not a good show. Was it him getting out wrestled by Congo? Probably was. <laughs> like my my lasting impression of him was that Bellator fight. I was like, man, this was not a good fight. See, my but I re- I will always remember uh, Sakai as being the dude who went to war with like Matt Frembling and uh, like Bellator one twenty two in twenty fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> he. He's come a ways, man. He has come a ways. Um, since he's been in the UFC, was he, what, 3-0 three, three now? He's now 3-0. Oh. Yeah, man. And over, like, solid competition. Like, his second win was over Oblowski, mm-hmm. who we just gave props to earlier for, you know, being... Turning his life around. Right. <laughs> and he managed to get a win over him in his second UFC fight. And then he comes in against Tabora. Um, not really a whole lot to describe. The fight ended in, like, a minute. Um, heavyweight dudes threw punches. Sakai's were more effective. Like he has such nasty clinch offense. Like we didn't get a whole lot of it here, but he did throw a couple like really nice knees to the gut. Like that's the stuff I remember from like when he was fighting Bellator. Just like he would grab a dude and just like go to town with the knees, and um, he was a really good leg kicker too, if I remember right. Um. But, like, when here with Tybora, he when he tied him up and just started throwing, like, those, like, five or six strings of, like, punches from the same hand, and Tybora had no idea how to break his grip. It, it, it was really, oof. That, that was some yeah. violent stuff. And, I was saying, Tybora didn't do himself any favors, just kind of, he was just a back, his back was just against that cage. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't let a dude that big just continually kind of wail on you and think you're gonna you're not gonna get out of that <laughs> like Sakai was dropping bombs on him they tied up Augustus <laughs> Sakai finishes the fight with like four straight forehead punches I gotta mention that he, he was trying to come over with the overhand I, a lot of them you know maybe one of them might have hit like behind the ear but I swear like three of them was like straight forehead punches but hey man it is what it is <laughs> forehead punch jaw punch Behind the ear, it punches, it lands, it is what it is. Uh, and he landed about three of them bad boys, and he got Tabora out of there. Three and zero in the UFC, out here killing it. Um, congrats to new heavyweights. We need, we need more of them. Always in need of more heavyweights. Mm-hmm. So, I'm excited for his success, and I hope he keeps going. Yep. Uh. I don't got nothing to add to that because, uh, it was only made long. It was only made long because. <laughs> huh. Well, I guess I'll uh throw a disclaimer out after this fight. So I didn't get a chance to rewatch all of these prelims. So my memory for these next. 
couple fights is going to be a little, uh, a little, little sketchy. <laughs> but, um, if you remember any of these, please feel free to join in. Uh, moving on. Oh, congrats to this guy. He won VK on the first round. I have, I, uh, this move. is the only fight I don't remember. The, the John Yeah. One? Okay. Yeah, I don't remember, like, the next two. Um, I, I kind of remember. Well, we'll, we'll get there when we get there. But next fight, uh, Miles Johns versus Cole Smith. I remember this. I remember being entertained. Like I said, none of the fights on this card were bad. I remember enjoying the fight and it being a bit of a back and forth. I just don't remember particulars. Um, and Miles John is from. He was from Florida. MMA too, I think. Right. Uh, I. Or was it uh, Hunt, somebody on this undercard was from Florida. Hunter Azir is from Fortis. Okay, okay, wrong dude, wrong dude. But um, yeah, Miles Ma- John and Cole Smith. I remember the fight being good. I just don't. I didn't get a chance to rewatch it, so it doesn't stick to my head that much. Um, but Miles John got the win via split decision. Uh, staying in bantamweight, uh, we had Hunter Azor versus Bracatona. Uh, what, Contona was from Contender Series, right? And one of these dudes was from Contender Series. Or were they both from? How about they both were from TV shows? Uh, Katona? Yeah, when they from? Katona is from Tough. Uh, that okay. really bad season. I, I say that, like, uh, specifically. Yeah, most, yeah. <laughs> um, hold up, let me see if I can. Tough 27? Which is the season that gave us... What season is that? Uh, it does not say. Uh, oh, Team Cormier versus Team Miocic. So Mike Trezano and Brad Katona were the winners from that show. Um, and Hunter Azur, I want to say, is from the Contender Series. Uh, all I remember of this fight is in probably about the first two rounds. I remember Hunter throwing a lot of uh, winging overhand punches. And they all landed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he was cracking. He was cracking Katona with just these really just hard overhand lefts and rights, but they were landing repeatedly. Um, and then I remember in the latter half of the fight, there was, Katona was trying to work some takedowns. So the, I think Azura was putting too much into those punches. He started to get a little tired in the third. Um, but I don't remember too much of particulars of that fight he's like katona tried to mount like a little last minute let me get some takedowns in but i don't think it really amounted to much so a lot of this fight was katona pushing hunter Azur up against the cage trying to take him down and hunter being super inexperienced i i think what, what number of fight was this in his career it was like his seventh fight in his career and i don't think he's beaten anybody with a winning record prior or not but Oh, the guy with the best record he's beaten up to that point was like four and zero on the contender series. So he wasn't—he's not very experienced in fights where like he's not the, the the guy pushing the other guy around. So he had no idea how to get off the fence. But in the few moments where they weren't on the fence, he was hitting him with those big looping shots, like you said. And um, do you remember uh, Kavanaugh, John Kavanaugh? SBG Ireland extraordinaire head coach. Yeah. <laughs> basically <laughs> saying that no one should throw the one two because while it feels good, it's a bad punch for MMA or a bad combo for MMA. 
Um, yeah. Well, Katana trains out of the gym, SBJRON. Um, and it's really, really noticeable that when he was fighting this quick, big, powerful, uh, I guess, boxer, boxer wrestler, at no point did he think, I should throw a straight punch, a jab, uh, a right hat, something to make him respect the distance between us. It sounds like, no, I'm going to just stand here and cover up and hope he misses. So that was fun. So, you know, props to Hunter for, um, he's still super, super green, but like you could, like he's got some, he's got some there, a little sun. Just got to work cutting off, uh, you know, keeping off the fence and maybe throwing a jab or two. Before starting to wing on those big punches. Yeah. Oh, well, you know. Athleticism and strength is the start. Yeah. So, yeah. Just keep hey, uh, keep on building. He is built like a fucking brick house. Right. Like, <laughs> like Cody Stamen levels of brick. Oh man. But uh, good one for Hunter. Got uh went out there and got himself a W. I think he's undefeated. He's like seven and 8 Seven and zero, something like that. There we go. So keep an eye on him. Maybe he'll potentially be somebody. Uh, moving on to featherweight. Uh, Chas Skelly versus Jordan Griffin. All I remember from this fight is the amount of somersaults that we got. Yes. <laughs> like there were like two. I think they both did a somersault, like trying to get you know one guy would take the other's back. And then there would be a somersault to get out of the position. Um, and that happened like twice. Um, I remember this being a really fun fight. There were a lot of ground exchanges. Um, Kelly caught some strikes on the feet. You could tell he was really just trying to go for submissions, doing anything he can to really get a submission. Um, so there were a lot of exchanges like that. Like I said, I, I kind of don't remember the particulars, but. I remember this also being a really fun fight, and like all of the somersaults to get out of a choke <laughs> just made everything so much better. Um, but nah, it was a fun fight. Like a lot of it did take place on the ground, but it was a really entertaining kind of kind of back and forth from both of them. Yeah. So like on the somersault tip, Skelly used his somersault to break, first break the grip like that Griffin had with his hands, and then what? And then to turn Griffin, uh, to get Griffin's hip on the mat, so that he could swim his hips out and get Griffin off his back. I think Griffin just did it because Skelly did it, and he assumed it would work. But all he did was end up with Skelly completely fat, uh, flat on his back, and a triangle, uh, a body triangle locked in. So, you know, there, there are reasons you do a thing. <laughs> I applaud the I mean, don't get yeah, the, the aesthetic was brilliant, like, but you maybe, know, maybe think it through to the conclusion a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, no, it was a fun little, it was a fun little grappling scrap. Um, like you said, Skelly seemed hell bent on having this fight on the ground, and uh, d- despite having some success on the feet, Griffin obliged them. So Griffin didn't have a success after the first round. I think he got mount at one point in this fight and was just like throwing down strikes on Skelly, but Skelly managed to get out. Um, but you yeah, know, it was a pretty good scrap. So, uh, props to Chaz for um, getting back in the win column. 
And there we go. Moving on down to uh, Bantamweight, Louis Smoker versus Ron McDonald. Um, boy, Smoker was letting hands go. I can't remember what the um, what the stat was, but he he threw a lot of strikes in that first round. I, I want to say this fight went how long? Um, Four minutes, forty three seconds. Somewhere around like the three minute mark. I commentary. They were like, "Yeah, um, Smoker's already throwing seventy five punches." Right. <laughs> he just <laughs> he was out there just winging them. Uh, but no, nah, it, w- it was a good performance, though. Like, I enjoyed He landed a lot of... He was going to the body a yeah, lot. That, I liked how he was really mixing it like, up. I, 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 this, maybe this is just me reading too much into it, but I think he's realized that like he's never going to be like the athlete some of these other dudes are. They're like, I'm just going to hit the biggest target available, which is the body. Right. And it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to just jab to the body and go away. Like, he was throwing, like, combinations to yeah. the body. Like, you're going to catch a couple. No, he was shoo-shying the shit out of McDonald's. Yeah, <laughs> like McDonald and like kind of in a somewhat similar fashion to like the Tristan fight. Like he wasn't really letting up. He was he kept a really good consistent pace uh, on McDonald. Just good body shots, head shots. Like he was really going in there, just really mixing it up. And then the finish where he uh he threw like three right hands like consecutively. Like, he just spammed the overhand right, I think. Um, I think he rocked him with something before the right started landing. Yeah, he hit him with, like, a but, left hook because it looked like McDonald was trying to block a body shot with his shin or his knee. I'm sorry. Like, he put up his knee and lowered his guard to block something from um, Smoker. And Smoker just followed it over the top of the left hand. That, like, really hurt him. And then after that, just rights, rights, and rights. And then uh, McDonald's on the ground. <laughs> Smoker wins. And in a fight where he just threw hands um, very effectively. And uh, got McDonald out of there. Probably probably one of the, definitely one of, one of his best performances. Mm-hmm. Definitely not like the highest level of, of competition for him. But like if, you're, like, if you're rebuilding, this is how you want to rebuild. Definitely, definitely props to him. And closing out the card, uh, the fight that I enjoyed that got the white wiped the sour taste out of my mouth from KSW. <laughs> At lightweight, we had Austin Hubbard uh, versus Kyle Prepolik. Prepolik, saying that correct. Um, dudes are just throwing like it was a pretty fun back and forth, and pretty much the difference. Uh, I think Prepolik was having they they had good exchanges back and forth on the feet. But Prepolek seemed like he was getting the better. And then at the end of the first, he rocked him right at the end of the first um, and kind of stunned him. But the bell had rung. And then in the second round, Austin was like, all right, man, if, you know, on the feet, we're either even or he might be, like, slightly better than me. So let's start mixing in some of these takedowns. And once he started mixing in the takedowns, he kind of found his way to a – that, that was his path to victory pretty much. He was able to take Kyle down, work his ground and pound, kind of beat him up there. And him being able to mix it up just went a long way in him just kind of getting the win. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Oh, I think my memory of the first fight is a little hazy for this one. Uh, not the first fight. The first round. Um. 
I, I remember the last two rounds with, um, what's his face? Hubbard, um, just taking Prepolik down and kind of just hammering on him a little bit from the top, especially from, like, the back position. Um, I, if I remember it right, Prepolik just seemed a little bit more awkward on the feet, was able to get, uh, some, uh, combinations off. I think he laid a head kick at one point. Uh, it was really hurting, uh, hurting Hubbard to the body with those straight punches, but um, it, it wasn't enough to carry him through. Um, he just could not stop the takedown, could not get up to his feet after getting taken down. Um, so props to Hubbard. Um, why do I know Austin Hubbard? Like, where is he from? LFA. Okay. He was a featherweight champ? Ah, he lost at Davi Hamos. That's what I'm thinking of. I'm like, why do I know? Like, he, I remember because he, he, we were like, oh, wow, he went three rounds with Gabriamos, despite most of it being on the ground. Hmm. But yeah, no, uh, solid win. Um, he, he picks up his first win in the UFC. There we go. And that was UFC Vancouver. Um, like I said, just from top to bottom, man, it was a really fun card, man. Like I said, there, there weren't any fights that were like bad like it, it from top to bottom it was just such a fun such a fun card like the main event gave us the violence we were sure we were going to get got to see old man glover out here still still winning fights um Pereira's out here flipping all over the place but Connolly left with the, the win and the bag um you know we got heavyweights out here getting wins um young guys you know it, it was a lot it was just it felt like everybody came to fight like, everybody really came to fight. This was a really fun, just a really fun card from top to bottom. Definitely worth the watch. Um, so if you didn't get a chance to see it, if you didn't get a chance to catch it, definitely go back, give that uh, give that card a look. It's, it's worth every second, especially that main card, man. So many fun fights. Shouts to Raul Hall. Just good from everybody, man, top to bottom. I really thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, watching that card so that was ufc vancouver go uh go give that a look if you uh, have the chance next week uh at least in terms of the ufc we'll have ufc mexico city headlined by yair rodriguez versus jamie stevens also on the card you got alexa grasso versus carla esparza uh, Sergio Pettis is fighting Tyson Nam, Irene Aldana versus Marion Renault. Uh, some other gentlemen I don't know or remember all that well. I don't remember him. Jose uh, Alberto Quiones versus Carlos Huachin. Uh, Paul Craig is down here. Oh, look at Betch Cohea. She's down here. <laughs> Betch Cohea versus Sajara Eubanks. Angela Hill versus Arian Carnalasi, if I'm saying that correct. Marco Polo Reyes is on the card. Um, oh, yeah, Brandon Moreno's back. Brandon Moreno versus Askar Askarov. Um, it should be a good time. It should be a good time. Um, so that's UFC Mexico City. That'll be going down next weekend. Um, does Bellator got anything going next, next week? Next week, no. They don't have a card until Bellator 227, which I want to say is the following Friday. All right, so it's quiet for... Uh, for Bellator, 
I think one has one of their little hero series cards, but I don't really watch those, so. But that's the thing. Uh, let me <laughs> um, just triple check something. Because I'm bad at memory. Uh, bad at writing stuff down. I wanted. Is that this weekend? Oh, it was this weekend. Never mind. I thought there was like a Kunlun fight championship card, but it turns out it's happening. Like it's been happening for like the last three days. Probably why I've been seeing them a lot on my Facebook feed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Keep seeing, keep seeing highlights. Um. Oh, there's a glory card. To, oh. No, that's not this week. That's. God damn it! Perfect kickboxing. Get I'm, your shit together. I'm gonna save it to. Well, I'm, you know what, I'm gonna put. I'm, I'll say that to my shoutouts too. Because there's somebody from Glory I've really been meaning to mention, and I keep forgetting. Um, Is it Giga? Uh, Pereira. Ah uh, no. Okay. So Gig. Uh, I I think I forgot to mention this. Giga Chizmi. Chizmi. You remember Chicka did. Chick- oh my God. I know you're talking about. I remember the name. Yeah. Chica, <laughs> uh, Giga Chicka. Chikadze. Uh I want to say he just got signed to the UFC. Yeah, but think, think, did we mention that last time? Did we? I feel like you did mention that last time. Well, even if we didn't know, now you know. Yeah. <laughs> now you know. Now everybody um, knows. He either got signed to the UFC or he got signed to like fight again on the Dana White Contender Series. I don't remember. Point being, he's close. If not, yeah, you'll be seeing him soon somewhere. There we go. Um, any boxing next week? Um, unless anybody's into Peter Quinn, uh, Peter Quillen still. No. Not really. Like, Sam Eggington is fighting, uh, Thomas DeLorean. Uh, let me see. Just going through this real quick. Some stuff from Japan. Uh, Joseph Diaz is fighting Jesus Cuadro. But I don't think that has like a U.S. um, what you call it distribution thing. Um, so yeah, no, I I think we're good on boxing for next week. There's some stuff the week after, um, but I'm not seeing anything here that catches my attention immediately. So it looks like next week will probably be mostly. Uh, I mean, do you want to talk about bare knuckle boxing? You, you you can head that off if because uh... James McSweeney's <laughs> fighting next week. Yeah. And Ishe Smith. Yeah. All right. Judgey. <laughs> <laughs> These people have to make a living. Yeah, uh, no. Uh, and you know what? It's it's legal, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's cool. It's just not hey for me, but. You know, you guys have at it. I, uh, it just it just ain't for me. But there'll be happenings next week. So like next week will be mostly uh mostly UFC. But you know, as all the fights happen, we'll be there to talk about all of them. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much it uh, for today's episode. So def- definitely go back. Pretty much watch like all the fights we mentioned. Like UFC Vancouver was really dope. Tyson Fury versus uh, Otto was was dope. Serrano versus Hardy was dope. Gotta go. If if you do nothing else, watch Serrano and the Jays. Gotta, gotta watch the Jays. But um, no, it was a really really fun uh, weekend of fights. Uh, really, I enjoyed pretty much like everything I watched. So go give all the fights that we mentioned a look. 
So we can go ahead and, uh, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry, I meant to turn it down, not up. <laughs> so we can go ahead and move on to uh, parting shots and shout outs. Um, I got two shout outs. Uh, the first shout out, I actually meant to mention this as a fight announcement for literally like the last like two to three weeks, and I keep forgetting and i didn't remember it until you just mentioned glory but um alex Pereira, man like one of the better fighters in all the combat sports that doesn't really get talked about um four-time middleweight glory champ dude's really been out here just handling business knocking dudes out kind of making it look easy um and it was kind of becoming that point at middleweight where it's like we don't even know who's out there is going to beat him at middleweight because he's just really been running through dudes and he's uh he's really stepping up. He's uh do, doing a challenge. He's trying to become the first person in glory to uh, dual wield, trying to do the double belt. So at Glory Miami, which goes down uh, September twenty eighth, um we will and this is Glory sixty eight. Alex Pereira will be moving up to fight. Ah, uh, what is the is for the vacant two hundred five title. Uh, Donegi Abina, I think that's his name if I'm saying it correct. I've seen him do fight before, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. I think it's Donegi Abina. Um, they'll be fighting for the vacant light heavyweight title at Glory Miami. So, that's really dope. Uh, props to Pereira trying to go up a weight class. Um, dude is really, really talented, so I'm really looking forward to see how that fight turns out to see if he can pull that off. And, uh, my last shout out, on a sad note, at least for me, uh, we mentioned LFA, or at least I, I know I mentioned LFA a lot on this podcast. A lot of fighters, even from this card, um, there were a couple of LFA alums on this card. Uh, Jeff Hughes was from LFA. Um, I think Austin Hubbard was from LFA. Um, might have been a couple other guys, too. I just can't remember. But um, for those of you, if you have Access TV, um, LFA was pretty much like one of their premier MMA showcases that they had on Access um, but they ended, they just recently ended their broadcast deal with LFA. And it really sucks because LFA is a really, a, one of the best, like, regional, I guess, promotions you could say out there. Um, a lot of fighters who come through that organization go on to other organizations and become successful. Not saying they're all just going to be like world champs, but they turn out really good fighters. Like, like I said, Austin Hubbard was from LFA. Um, who else? Eric Anders. Um, I want to say, I think KGB Lee fought there. Sabina Mazos from LFA. Kevin Aguilar. Um, Ron Spann. A, a lot of guys I can, I, I could go down and down the list if, I, if my memory was good. Brandon Moreno, <laughs> but, who, wait, after getting cut from the UFC, went there, won the title, yeah. is now back? Yeah, yeah. Like, LFA was a, LFA was an organization that if you were a young fighter, if you went there to become a champ, it, it held some kind of weight. And if you put on impressive performances, you either would get a call to go to the UFC or a bigger, or bigger organization. Or if you were a fighter who was in a big organization and you were kind of on a losing streak and you needed to go back to get some quality wins to kind of prove you still had it, you could go to LFA. And if you could become a champ there, like it meant something. It's like, all right, you won there. So, you know, we can invite you back and, and give you a, a second shot. And it really sucks because LFA is just a really 
good promotion. They put on a lot of great fights, a, a crazy number of cards. Um, <laughs> they put on a ridiculous number of cards. But you every LFA show, you always see some crazy knockout highlight or submission highlight. Like, there's always something really good going on over there. And I just give, want to give them a shout-out just for being, like, really one of the best organizations out there in terms of, like, regional MMA and just turning out a really just good, high-quality number of fighters. And I hope that they can land... I'm, I'm confident that they'll land somewhere, but it's kind of sucked because I really enjoyed watching them on Access TV. It's literally, like, kind of the only reason I even watch that channel. Um, you and everybody else who doesn't watch New Japan. Yeah. Shout-out to New Japan. I don't really watch wrestling, but I know a lot of people. Oh, wait, like, they just got... I'm sorry, they just got Impact. I thought they had New Japan. No, they have New Japan, but they have now what used to be TNA, which is Impact Wrestling. Oh, okay. okay. Which is hilarious. But, uh, but yeah, they, you know, LFA was just a really good good staple on Axis. So I hope they do land somewhere because the amount of quality cards that they turn out, like that needs to be in front of an audience somewhere. So I don't know if they'll end up on Fight Pass, or, uh, I don't know. I don't know where they'll end up. I hope they'll end up somewhere. And it's kind of wild, because they still, they got cards coming up, like, really soon. Yeah, so. <laughs> so, kind of a crazy time, like, in the broadcast deal. Um, Friday night was their, this previous Friday was their last card. I actually gotta, I gotta go back and watch it. But, um, yeah, previous Friday was their last card on Access TV, but shout-outs to everybody over at LFA. Fighters, announcers, everybody who's, like, a part of that little family. I've Really, really, really enjoyed watching their fights on Access TV um, when I do get the chance. And I pretty much root for everybody who comes from that organization. So big, big, huge shout-outs to LFA. Hopefully you guys land somewhere where that talent can be broadcasted because it's, it's a good product that needs to be, needs to be in front of a crowd. So shout-outs to LFA and shout-outs to uh, Alex Pereira uh, going up trying to get another belt. And that's, uh, that's all I got. Yep. Um, no, do I have shoutouts? Uh, do I have shots? I mean, I, I, I kind of just want to laugh at Colby Covington, but <laughs> I feel like the, I feel like this is low hanging fruit at this yeah, point. It's cruel at this point. <laughs> yeah. You know, shouts to the American Labor Museum in Hailden, New Jersey. If you are ever in the area, people go and visit. It's really great. Um, I got a tour from this nice old woman named Evelyn. Uh, it's not a whole bunch to see, but it, like, if you're into labor history and you know, immigrant history, really, um, it's a it's a really neat spot. Um, go check it out. Um, what else? Um, I don't know. Shouts just to. Um, See, I really don't know. <laughs> hey, you gave my educational, you know, shout out. That's uh, uh... up. Now I'm going to find something to to, to shoot to either shoot or shout out. <laughs> oh, I finally listened to the thirty for thirty on um the the Sterling affairs. Mm. Um, so ESPN they do uh, along with the thirty for thirty documentary series they do the thirty for thirty podcast series. Um, and they had one that they released like a month or two ago on the Donald Sterling saga, where they not only covered, you know, 
all the stuff that came out around him being forced to sell the Clippers, um, the the leak tapes by uh, his mistress to TMZ and all that good stuff. But like how he got his wealth and who he actually was as a person prior to this and you know what his ownership of the Clippers looked like and how he actually helped Jerry uh was it his name West Jerry West mm. by the LA Lakers um way back in the day um how the Clippers were basically just a giant vanity project because he wanted what Jerry West had and yeah, it's really fascinating stuff. Go give it a listen. Um, I think they were probably way too nice on uh, Sterling's wife. Yeah, I heard. That was the one complaint I heard that people had with that documentary. Where it's like, yeah, because like... They tried to make her like a victim when she was kind of just as shady as, yeah, like, as he was. Yeah, birds of a feather and all that. So um, other than that, like the, the rest of it is really, it's really solid. It's really interesting. Um so go get that listen once you're done listening to this. And every other it. episode we ever put out. Right. <laughs> so after you get through the other 100 plus, uh, yeah, go uh, go back and, and peep that. <laughs> but no, shout out to uh, the, the 30 for 30 is always good. I got to go back and uh, I got to watch the Dennis Rodman one. Or maybe I'll do that after we get done recording. I might be my little kickback while I eat some lunch. But, uh... Yeah, man. That's all we got for today's episode. It's been episode 150 of the Dodo Talk podcast. As always, give us a listen on SoundCloud, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Google Play. Send questions to Dodo Talk Podcast at yahoo.com. Uh, follow me on Twitter and Twitch, where I do stream video games at Serial Sensei. And you can buy my book, The All Bar Chronicles, for the very cheap price of 99 cents for a digital copy, or if you want the physical, $8.99 support a uh, poor starving artist. But that's all we got for today's episode. As always, anytime people are being punched and or kicked in the face, we will be there to talk about it. And until next time, we will catch you guys later.